because these offensive coordinators, like, they have this great play. They come out in the first ten plays, they run it, and then, like, where in the hell did that play go that worked so well? Uh, and I think sometimes you think, well, I got all these other plays. I got all these sheets of paper. I got all this stuff, you know. I got to get to my other plays, right? I got all these amazing plays, and then uh, we forget the, the ones that work. So I'm literally, hey, uh, Jeff, uh, you know that one? We had the three receivers, that, that triple post. Call it again. <laughs> the one that was wide open. Uh... Yes, that was Brent Venables from about 13 months ago. That was his news conference before the Baylor game last year in 2022, talking about how sometimes during games he would have to get on the headset and tell Jeff Lebby to run a successful play again. I remember that news conference. I was there that day, that day, and in fact, it was my final Brent Venables news conference when I was working at News 9. Uh, I, uh, I guess, retired a week later, unless I go back to it at some point, which at this point, eh, probably not going to happen. But uh, anyways, I do remember that. I, I remember thinking kind of like, that's pretty funny. I, I, and Venables kind of played it up for laughs, for laughs, but also I remember thinking that's kind of telling, isn't it? Well, we fast forward now. Again, about 13 months later, and Jeff Lebby is no longer Oklahoma's offensive coordinator as he takes the head coaching job at Mississippi State. Hey, everybody. Lee Benson here. Grant Benson along for the ride as well. Must apologize for the podcast schedule this week. I know it was a bit all over the place, a bit bizarre. The Thanksgiving holiday presented travel issues, and we could not find a good time to record over the weekend. So here we are to talk about Oklahoma's 69-45 win over TCU, which feels about a month ago at this point, uh, as well as Jeff Lebby's departure. Now, Grant, I was kicking around the idea of maybe breaking this up into two separate episodes, doing the like the game in one and all the three-word reviews and everything and get that out and then talk about all the other stuff. But then I thought, nah, I mean, it's we'll just it'd be kind of weird to not have that, you know, out there in case you want to talk about it. So we're going to do one show. We have a lot to talk about. And wouldn't you know it, just before we pushed record, George Stoya at Sooner Scoop reports that Oklahoma is set to hire Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley as co-offensive coordinators. So again, a lot to hit on here as we begin recording here what is our 299th episode of the show. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't uh, I don't think that's going to excite a lot of people, but it, it also doesn't need to, really. Um, I'm sure they're very obviously going for continuity with this. And uh, I think I, I told you right before we started recording, um, I, I do think the Joe John Finley uh, promotion is a little head-scratching. Uh, but Seth Luttrell has indeed been a good offensive coordinator in college football before, uh, before he was the head coach at North Texas. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's pretty easy to talk yourself into this will probably still work out pretty well. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going for continuity. They, they don't want, which makes sense. You, you installed a new system, you know, less than two years ago at this time, you have a guy, you have a five-star quarterback who you think is going to operate really, really well within that system. And it does make sense that you just kind of want to keep that going, especially with, with the receivers that they have coming back next year. Cause on, on paper right now, this is the best group of receivers that they're going to have entering a season in a very, very long time, uh, maybe ever to be honest with you. So, um, and, and so that's, that's clearly what they're trying to do there. Um, if you ask me, I, I probably would have preferred to 
go get someone out of the program, outside of the program. As I said on this podcast, very explicitly after the Oklahoma State game, I really, really wanted them to move away from OU guys and try to get some new blood into the program. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens here. You have you have Seth Luttrell, who is probably going to be kind of the main offensive coordinator now calling the shots. He has head coaching experience. So, we'll, uh, man, I just, I just hope that his offense is a little bit more... Uh, I was going to say it's a little bit more friendly than the other one. It's a little bit more friendly to the defense. Um, focuses much more on simple things that they do well other than um, going really fast. I guess at the end of the day, I just I really hope that they, they make an effort to de-emphasize the tempo, which is why I mostly wanted them to go outside of the program. Okay, yeah, so let's, let's start with that. So let's kind of go in reverse order then because that's the, the latest news, and you're, you're hitting on it, and I like that. So and I kind of share your sentiments. I... I was hoping they would – here's the thing. I was hoping that they would go outside the program just for some, some new blood, some new ideas to kind of, again, to get away from a little bit of kind of this – it's easy to say get away from Oklahoma, but just everybody has kind of been the same. And, and at some point, that's going to catch up to you, I think. And so Let's, like, let's get I mean, out of the out, Oklahoma they went outside and got Lincoln. Bit. Ne- yeah, nepotism. I mean, they went outside and got Lincoln Riley, and, and that was great. You know, the offense granted – in a way, though, Lincoln kind of was similar to this hire with Latrell in the sense that Lincoln was a Mike Leach guy. And even though he was outside the program, he kind of, in a way, like Bob Stoops, he's like, yeah, he's a Leach guy. He's kind of got Leach principles, air raid. I'm comfortable with that. Here we go. This is different. And in a way, it's now you're getting away from the Art Bryles tree with Jeff Lebby. Now you're going back to the Mike Leach tree. May he rest in peace, by the way. Uh, and sure, he's had a success as an offensive coordinator Latrell has and this is not this is not bad I mean it kind of my, my first thought was that as, as you mentioned this is kind of the name in the last 48 hours that's come up the most kind of the most obvious thing people kind of assumed and here we are uh, I mean he's right now currently an analyst at Oklahoma you talked about the continuity they're going for it's almost like Latrell with his background as an offensive coordinator and a head coach for a long a long time it's you know he, he felt that Lebby maybe wouldn't last long, and this would be a, a, a spot, that role as an analyst to come in here and think, okay, I could have an inside shot at the job when Lebby moves on, and perhaps Brent Venables, that was his thought too when he thought to bring in Seth Luttrell. I don't know. Because, uh, I mean, Jeff Lebby's a young guy who has been kind of ascending quite a bit, and everyone kind of thought, yeah, at some point he's going to try to become a head coach, and here we are two years after being in Oklahoma, he's gone. So, I, you know, he's got a solid resume, but – Kind of back to kind of where you are. I mean, it's it's a, it's a bit uninspiring, um, but I can't really put my finger on why. Like, here's here's why I'm going to actually rip on myself because I say I want the, I wanted Oklahoma to go outside the program. Yet I honestly I hadn't taken the time yet to even think about who to go get. So I don't like the people that that don't like something, but then they have no solutions themselves. And I'm kind of falling into that right now because I don't really have a solution yet, anyways. So. Uh, maybe you'll know, give me some more time. I could have maybe figured something out, but uh, at the same, so I, I I can't really criticize enough because I honestly don't really know who I wanted right now. Anyways, did you have somebody else in mind that you already? Wanted? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, Willie Corn is the offensive coordinator at Liberty, and uh, Liberty is twelve and zero. They have a top five offense in college football by total yards per SP plus. They are eleventh on offense at Liberty, which that means that would be the the best offense that. Michigan has played all year. Ohio State has played all year. 
like stuff like that. Um, and he's a young guy. He played his college ball at Houston. He's from the region. That's I you know that seems like that is the one that would have been kind of the big splash hire. You're getting a guy early before he really really blows up. And I mean he's already blown up this year. There's almost no way that he stays at Liberty this year. Um, but it's it's gonna really suck if you know they 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 just elevate Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley and Willie Korn goes to Alabama or something. That would really suck. So it kind of makes me think of up-and-comer. Obviously, they went and got Lincoln Riley, and then they didn't want to lose Lincoln Riley. They promoted him, and you know the rest is history. Is there a sense with Venables, and I don't know how much Joe C. was involved. I mean, he's obviously he's the AD, so he's involved. How much of this hire maybe comes with wanting stability in the sense that Seth Luttrell might be and you know like I was a head coach in North Texas he was there for what seven years 16 to 22 and he's a OU guy and thinking that Seth Luttrell could be a, a, a guy that if it goes well could maybe want to just be an OC and stay here for a while and Brent has continuity you know how much I mean that's what Venables is he's a guy that's was at Oklahoma for a long time then he went to Clemson and was at Clemson for a long time I don't know how much that factors in if at all but uh, it's I don't know like, maybe it's this thing where you know a young up-and-coming guy Brent's like nah I, I don't know if I want to go get somebody and then he leaves after a year or two to go become a head coach somewhere else maybe I don't know I mean it's all speculation at this point in time I, I think you know this was always what was going to happen if if Lebby left it was always going to be Seth Luttrell unless there was just another guy out there that they could not say no to and I know I throw Willie Korn out there I don't even know if he would be interested in the job I think, you know, generally speaking, OU's offensive coordinator job has been an extraordinarily prestigious position in college football over the last couple of decades. So you would think that anybody would be interested in that. So, yeah, you know, I, there's, I know there's a lot of other people uh, throwing other names around. I know, um, you know, Colton Nicky at, at Kansas. There's a lot of people. I know, you know, Gabe, Gabe Eichard really, really wanted OU to give a look at him. I, I would not have liked that hire. I don't, I don't want a guy who runs it 65% of the time. That's that You're not going to win a lot in the SEC doing that. So I, that's, that's not a hire that I wanted to happen. I know some people are talking about Ryan Grubb at Washington. Um, yeah, I guess that, that would be a situation where I'm not, I'm not sure he would make that move, especially with them going to the Big Ten, coming off a 12-0 season. He's probably a guy who his next stop is going to be a head, coaching, a, head, a head coaching job at some point in time. Um, another, another person that I, you know, would have really been interested in would, would be, I don't know, people may laugh at this, but would have loved to see Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I, like, I, I understand that he wasn't good at Texas Tech as a head coach, wasn't good at, at you know, the Arizona Cardinals as a head coach. Dude's an, inc- was an incredible offensive coordinator in college. Um, I, I think that would have been an interesting hire and it would have been kind of within the same tree. I think there still would have been continuity there. Um, I, I, Cliff Kingsbury made Alan Bowman look like one of the best quarterbacks in college football. So I would... Yeah, Cliff was, despite his, you know, constantly just going like 6-6 six and six and at best like 8-4 and four at Tech, I mean, his offenses were clever. He clearly knew what he was doing. He changed everything in Arizona. Like, it, they would use tons of motion and shifting and stuff like that at Tech, and they barely moved anybody pre-snap, I felt like, at Arizona. And I don't know why he changed it so much. So, yeah, I mean, he... I, w- I mean, it would have been kind of like, what? I mean, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a very good offensive mind. 
And Cliff Kingsbury is a guy right now where you know he's an, he's an analyst at USC with Lincoln Riley. He's he's got a lot of money, and he's gonna is he gonna have that fire at some point to like prove himself and come back and be like, okay, no, I'm I'm actually good at this. Yeah, no. When you bring but, up Cliff Kingsbury, you're you're thinking purely just about his X's and O's and what he accomplished in college at that position as, as a position coach like that. Obviously, when you're talking about hiring Cliff Kingsbury, a lot of other stuff comes up where you can kind of knock that down. And I'm not saying that that's what I would have done. I'm just saying it would have been it from as as a pure X's and O's standpoint. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I, I think that would have that would have made OU absolutely have one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. But you're talking about continuity. That's probably something that you would have to worry about with Cliff with Cliff Kingsbury. Like, let's say just if he had one good season at OU, yeah, you'd have you'd be scared that he'd be taking an, a head coaching job somewhere for sure. So, you know, I this is one I, I'm okay just because you know Seth Luttrell is is not a is not a terrible hire there. He has he has had lots of offenses throughout his history as a coach in college football that can complete forward passes consistently, which I think should be your number one priority. Yeah, and so I just did some quick digging before we started the show. Didn't have much time, but uh, at least I went through you know the last twelve seasons or so of him, dating back to twenty ten, and uh, and just looking at yards per play because I mean I like yards per play. It's a good raw stat, I think, and it kind of just because I didn't have time to go through anything else. And so starting in twenty ten, he was at Arizona as Arizona's co OC running backs coach, and tight ends coach. And so that year, Arizona averaged 5.9 yards per play. That was good enough. Okay, in 2010, 5.9 yards per play was good enough for 32nd in the nation. I don't, I, I'd be shocked. Like, I guess we could look it up right now. I mean, 5.9 yards per play right now, there's no – I'd be shocked if that's top half. But hold on, I'm just kind of curious now. I'm looking at it. Uh, 5.9. 5.9 yards per play is about right around 50th in the nation. So – not not as bad as I thought. Anyway, so next year they improved by a couple couple uh, tenths. They were up to six point one yards per play, twenty seventh in the nation. So okay, not bad. He's co OC there. Then he got a job at Indiana in twenty twelve. Was was Kevin Wilson in Indiana at that point? Yes, I believe so. I think you yeah. So obviously with Kevin Wilson and first year with, uh, at Indiana. By the way, his title was. Offensive coordinator, fullbacks coach, tight ends coach for two years there. Indiana, 5.6 yards per play. You think, that's not great. 66 in the nation. But the year before, they're at 4.9. So that's a pretty big improvement over the year before. And then his second year in Indiana in 2013, jumped all the way up to 6.5 yards per play. Top 15 in the nation. So huge improvement from year one to year two at Indiana. And that got him a North Carolina job. Or a job at North Carolina. He moved on. Top 15 in yards per play at Indiana in 2013. That's an accomplishment. Yes. So then he moves on to North Carolina. Gets a, a, a title bump. He's the OC, but also the assistant head coach there with Lee Fedora. And he was at North Carolina for two seasons. And first year at North Carolina, they were not great. 5.5 yards per play. And crap, I forgot to look up what they were the year before. Hold on. Let's see, 2013, 2013 North Carolina. Let's see how much. See if there was an improvement. Eh, no, not really. North Carolina was at 5.8 in 2013. So 
In 2014, they took a step back. Not great. But in 2015, after year one, North Carolina, Grant, yards per play, number one in the nation, 7.2. And just that's obviously what got him the North Texas job because he moved on to North Texas, took the head coaching job. Is that Was that Trubisky? 2015 would have been Trubisky. Yes. Uh, actually, hold on. Hold actually, on. Actually, no, it wasn't because Trubisky no, came no, out. No, no, it wouldn't have been. Trubisky was the same draft class as Mahomes. No, that, yeah, because Trubisky only started one year in college. So I think Trubisky's one year would have probably been the 2016 season. Because 2016 was the year where Baker and Mahomes play. Was that Mahomes' final season? Let's see. 2015. This is great. 2015 was, was not baker's last season that was his first year at ou no 2016 so i'm sorry 2016 20, no uh, i'm talking about mahomes uh 2016 mahomes. was mahomes's last year okay so then 2016 would have been trubisky then because that they're in the same class so i'm looking at it yeah it was it was marquise williams oh yeah 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 so trubisky did have 47 attempts that season as a backup completed 40 man. of them for 555 yards, six six tutties and no picks, he was good. I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, they had Elijah Hood as a receiver. He was good. Who's their, who's their receiver? Oh, Ryan Switzer. They had Ryan Switzer and Mac Hollins. That's right. So, anyway, so number one in the nation in 2015 with, again, Marquise Williams as their quarterback. Gets a North Texas job. North Texas in 2016 – Average, like, was one of the worst offenses in college football, Grant. Five yards per play. You're like, ah, oh, yikes. Well, the year before that, they were at 4.5. So <laughs> they improved by a half a yard. And then from there, year two, year three, I mean, it was pretty consistent. He was at 6.1 yards per play in year two. So that was a, a over a yard improvement from the first year. 6.2 yards per play, 5.9, 6.6. 2021, they dropped all the way down to 5.4. But then they, he bounced back in 22 up to 6.7 back in the top 15 in the nation. Was he there? In, he, don't, he wasn't there last season. According to Wikipedia, he was. He was, really? So this is his first year not at North. I didn't know that. I, yeah, thought, he had been at, at a, I thought he had been out of coaching for a couple of years when, when he came to OU. I mean, I could be wrong about that. That's just totally from the hip. No, he, in 2022, is interesting. It says he, yeah, he coached every game. They went 7-6 and six in 2022, but didn't go to a bowl game, apparently. Oh, that's right. I remember them. I remember people being like, oh, it's ridiculous that Seth Luttrell got fired. I remember, yeah, I remember that now. Why, what happened? Why, why didn't they play a bowl game? Unless, I, I mean, I, I, I have no wrong, idea. But. I have no idea. There's, that would just be speculation. So, yeah, this is the first year he hasn't been coaching, and he's with OU, and that's what I mean. It's like, I don't know. I mean, he's an OU guy. He probably thought, all right, well, you know, who knows? Maybe Levy will be gone soon. And Oh, no, okay, hold on. Yeah, they did play in a bowl game. They played in the Frisco Bowl. Dude, he, he's – that's the one – good thing he's not the head coach because he did not win a bowl game at North Texas. Maybe that's why he got fired. I think it was – I think it was 0-5 or 0-6 in bowl games. 
So not great. They lost to Boise State last year. It was close. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's I. I like I, he's he he's been a good offensive coordinator in college football. I I don't, and he's also he he's got the. He's got the knowledge from being in the program from this last year, so he knows the offense. He probably knows what works. I'm sure terminology will all be the same. Uh, it it makes sense. I, I I get it. I just I I hope he's I hope he's not as rigid as the last guy. Is essentially where I I, I hope he's more willing to. And like this is a cliche when you're talking about offensive coordinators, but I hope he's more willing to you know to to port his offense over into what the team does well. So like I. We'll know that Seth Luttrell is really, really good at his job if OU bases out of 10 personnel next year. <laughs> yeah, this thing is, I mean, obviously, I've, I feel like I watched North Texas only when they played bowl games over the last handful of years, and so I guess I've never seen them win. And I, my, one, my one thought about his, his offense is always like, yeah, it was, it was spread out, they threw it a lot, and it was kind of air raidy, right? So, I, cool, I guess. I, I mean, it's... Very curious to see what happens. I mean, he again, his track record as just an OC at mid-major, I mean, not mid-majors, but like mid-major football type schools like Indiana, North Carolina, I mean, pretty good. So if he's just the OC and now he's got all this talent at Oklahoma to work with and, you know, he, he's not North Texas anymore, he's got something to prove, uh, he's like reinvigorated, that's great. I, real quick, I mean, back to you brought up Joe John Finley, I just, I don't get that, like how much say is he going to have? And is it just a title? Like a is he just getting an upgrade in a title? Kind of like how Bill Biedenboe, I believe, is is still the co OC, or maybe he's even like assistant head coach. But that's how like with Lincoln Riley, he was always co OC. But we know it was always Lincoln Riley's offense. So I, I mean, I'm just kind of who knows. I mean, at some Joe point, John we get Finley, to ask he about, had he had a good reputation when OU hired him as a guy who has kind of paid his dues and has been part of some good offenses, been a good coach, and he has the institutional knowledge. He knows the offense. He's there. He knows all of it. He could. You know, like if Seth Luttrell wasn't here, it's you know Joe John Finley would probably call the plays in the in the bowl game. He that's that's what he does. He's he's got the institutional knowledge. So from that perspective, it makes sense. Um, I just yeah, I'm not, and yeah. I, like, I know it, it's kind of, it's kind of a low com denom take, but like I'm still there. Like his ever since he's been here, his position group has not been good. So I you know I don't know what he's doing. I'm not. I mean, I mean, Braden Willis was really good last year, but um. This year, that position group was a disaster. I, I just, I don't, to the point where I, it's, and like, it's, it's hard to say this now. I mean, OU is, is top five in the country in points scored, and they, they're really good on offense this year, but I mean, they were, <laughs> they're playing left-handed a lot of the time. They didn't have their best players out there a lot of the time. Yeah, it was Austin Stogner for basically the entire season, minus a cup of coffee for Blake Smith in the first quarter games or so. And then we just, and then we randomly started seeing Josh Fanuel, you know, here late in the season as well, which is cool. I mean, it's, it'd be great if he, if 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 he emerges. I mean, I'm all, I'm always a huge fan of former basketball players playing tight end. But um, that's a, yeah, that's but the yeah. Thing, I mean, it's I don't. Just... It's 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 all in like I guess it's all speculation at this point in time. Like I know, like I'm sort of like browsing the message boards. This seems to be a little divisive, and by divisive I mean, like I said earlier, it's just not a splash hire, and people aren't super excited about it. But like I. I guess now, just in my older age, like it's pretty easy for me to look at Seth Luttrell and just be like, ah, eh, you know, pretty good offensive coordinator. And he also sat, you know, he sat around for, you know, for the last year and he saw OU, you know, score, you know, 45 points a game and put up a lot of yards and, and he knows who he has in that room. And this is, I am absolutely certain that going into next season will be the best collection of players and skill position guys he's probably ever worked with in his career as an offensive coordinator. 
So cool. I, I'm 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 totally fine with seeing what happens there. Um, yeah, I, you like to think that. I say you'd like to think that. Yeah, like you said, he's been sitting around watching for the last season, this season, and in his mind, maybe taking some mental notes about. Okay, here's why I do differently. You know, here. Let's hope that. And you brought it up at the start. Like the main thing about this is backing away from the tempo, getting rid of the gimmicky stuff. And I mean. There's a place for it. Like, I, I want them to use it here and there because, again, I, I do think there's a lot of value in, and I'll, I do think there's a lot of value in Levy's offense in crunch time when they have to go fast because they're so used to it where a lot of other teams don't know how to go fast or aren't as comfortable. I think there's a lot of value in that. Uh, it, so it, you got to find that balance of, like, I don't want them doing it all the time, but still be pretty good in the two minute offense. And so maybe Seth Luttrell, you know, has seen that. Yeah, this works. This doesn't work. I got all this talent here, and yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what comes of it. I I think there's no reason not to to have a positive outlook because again, the guy's got a great track record as an offensive coordinator. He knows offense, and like you said, he knows offenses that throw the football, which you got to do in 2023, 2024. I guess put another way, the you know two years ago when when all this was going down, and it came out that Ted Roof was being hired as a defensive coordinator. That's much more head scratching than this is. Yeah. Hey, by the way, let's give a hand to Ted Roof, the old roofer man. I mean, another season under his belt. Maybe he's found some continuity at OU. I mean, before before this job, he had been one and done, at, like <laughs> essentially for the last like six or seven years. And uh, hey, back to back seasons. I don't. There's, he's probably not going to lose his job this off season. Going into year number three, the old roofer man, old Teddy. Yeah, good for Ted. But anyway, back to. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I just I want to I, I do want to bring it back to the tempo stuff because it's not. You're right. Like I mean, I, tempo works well when you utilize it in the right spots, and we've we've seen OU be burned by it this year, where a team isn't known for going fast, but then in the moments where they feel like they got OU on the ropes, they go fast, and it's like that's when it's the most devastating. And so I would really like the focus to shift from emphasizing the tempo that's your number one priority on the offense scrap that that should not be your number one priority let's shift it back to the priority is execution getting into the right play being precise and once you feel like you're at a good spot with all three of those bullet points that's when you add tempo when you already yeah, know what when you already know what you're doing that's when you add tempo and that, and when we saw that like there it was the perfect marriage of it in 2008 with that OU team, which is, you know, the first taste that as a, as a program that we ever had with tempo. And it was, they took, they took what was one of the best offenses in college football, probably the most efficient offense in college football in 2007, um, which was quarterbacked by Sam Bradford, who was a big brained guy. And they had everybody coming back. The entire offensive line was back. All their skill guys were back. And then what they did in the off season was, okay, we know everything. We've perfected everything. We're experts at all of this. Now let's do everything really, really fast. And that worked really well. We you, you saw that bear fruit, and uh, I I would really like the emphasis to be to be in that. It's much much more important to be precise and getting into the right play than it is to go fast all the time. And hey, I, I you know tip 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 your cap to, to Jeff Lebby because I thought I thought they did reel it back a little bit this year. A little bit. They did a little bit, but yeah, there were no, they did. There were there were times though where it felt like where it really shined through. Tempo is still their number one emphasis. It clearly is, which is why they're not able to be precise in these moments when they absolutely need to. Yep, they did dial it back, I'd say. I mean, right now, 
Through 12 games, OU is 85th in time of possession, which they've averaged 29 minutes and 6 seconds of time. That's compared to in 2022, OU was, I think, pretty much dead last. Uh, they were nah, they were fifth to last. They're 127. So they, they've held the football. Uh, yeah, they've, they've held the football on, av- like on average for three extra minutes a game this year, which that's a lot of time given what it was. So, yeah, and maybe it's, there's no coincidence then that the, the defense – improved a little bit it's definitely fallen off and we'll get we'll get more to the defenses i think we're, we'll talk about the game here after we talk about levy uh and we'll read your three word reviews as well maybe that can kind of be a catalyst for us but yeah yeah the, the tempo was dialed back but still there's there's still there's something missing there and uh, well i guess we're talking about the tempo might as well that's a good transition into the levy i mean departing and i gotta say like i saw like what it come up maybe on probably Saturday after the game where there was kind of some 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 rumors and there's some you know some college football writers that said oh like Mississippi State's targeting Levy and you know, usually when that happens I guess it's, it's pretty much a done deal but I'll be honest Grant I I really didn't think Levy was going to be going anywhere this offseason like I, I kind of thought he'd stick around for another year going into the SEC with Jackson Arnold and I'm especially a job like Mississippi State I figured maybe he'd kind of hold out for something a little with a little bit more oomph to it, but clearly he he got the offer. And I know everyone talks about Zach Selman being there, who has ties to Oklahoma, who is at OU. By the way, I, every time like I covered OU for you know since twenty late twenty sixteen, and I saw Selman around like everywhere. And I and this you know this may not mean anything because I'm just me and a nobody, but I am pretty sure I never heard the guy say a word. <laughs> like he just was quiet. Like I just. You'd see Joe, Joe C talking to everybody and you know Joe Harris and all these people. Anyways, just not, neither, neither here nor there. I remember whenever he got the job at Mississippi State, I thought, wait, so that guy was like somebody that could get an AD job somewhere? I guess if you just hang around and walk around, like clearly he did some, he, clearly he, he talked to people because uh, he, he got that job. But anyways, I never heard the guy say a word. So there's that, t- those ties there. I, it's just, I don't know. I, my thought is, I guess Mississippi State, uh, Texas to you and Brady, our friend Brady Trantham from the Kegel Pod. It kind of it kind of comes off as well. Mississippi State just had Mike Leach a moment, you know, a minute ago. Obviously, did not <laughs> he tragically dies, and uh, now let's kind of go back to another kind of. I'll say, I mean, even though we're so used to the air raid, I'm not, I'm not sure if Leach's offense was really a gimmick all these years later. Uh, but Levy is kind of the same, you know, come from the Art Briles, kind of a gimmicky, like fast up pace, throw the ball, even though they do run it a lot. Maybe that was the mindset, Grant, with like maybe you can get a lot more out of the talent that we get here in Starkville because we're not going to get all the best players. Maybe that's the idea behind it. Yeah, no, I mean, Mississippi State is not, I think they're a program that understands who they are a lot of the time. And I think they just, they just want to get back to where they were under Dan Mullen. Where they're winning, where they're you know they're they're winning eight or nine games every single season. They're able to have if they get like sort of like a generational talent like Dak Prescott that they have. They're able to compete for the playoff, something like that. Um, and like I mean I I get it. I and so like I don't I I genuinely do not have any hot takes about this. I I, I said this after the Oklahoma State game, and I still believe it. I think Jeff Lebby is a good offensive coordinator. I, you know, he's served his purpose for the for the two years he's been here, and 
this is best for both parties. Yeah, that's the thing is he's clearly a good offensive coordinator. Most of the time, his offense is really good, and they move the ball. It's just those key moments, and you point – I mean, that's that was the difference in two losses this year for Oklahoma. The difference in Oklahoma being – 10 and 2 and 12 and 0 for the most part. And you throw in a couple defensive things here, but for the most part, the defense against Oklahoma State and Kansas did enough to win those games in crunch time. They got takeaways against Kansas late in the game. And for large stretches against Oklahoma State, they got off the field and let the offense with the ball. So like, the defense did enough, I think, in those games where the offense fell short. And some of it's on the players, but some of it also is just on kind of the weird game plans. Kansas, I know, like. Everyone's going to talk about the Kansas thing with the weather and why they didn't throw much, and we'll we'll, we'll never know unless you get a couple beers in Levy and maybe he'll explain it. No, um, it's not. I, like, and that's there's no conspiracy there. That was just he just he bungled it, he screwed it up. And like and I Oklahoma know, I, State too, like them not being able to exploit a really bad Oklahoma State pass defense, and we just saw that a few days ago that it's possible against a really bad TCU pass defense, and on a on a beautiful day in Stillwater, granted. Again, I talked about it multiple times on the post-game Bedlam podcast. Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma did on their shots. I mean, Nick Anderson dropped one, but there were about three or four other ones where that were slightly underthrown that if they weren't underthrown, probably would have been catches. But in the big game like that, they were just underthrown enough to where Oklahoma State DBs were able to make plays on it. It's small, but... No, there was the... I mean, it was... I. Yeah. Anything is going to be speculation, but I what, what I know and like we said it, the problem in the Oklahoma State game was the incongruity. It was the it was how weird everything was with the personnel decisions, the weird play calls. That was the problem in, in Stillwater. The problem in Lawrence was that Jeff Libby did not put the ball into the hands of the best player in the conference. That was the problem in Lawrence. And like I know you like you want to explain it away, but like oh, he must have been hurt. There must have been something else going on. Man, life life isn't as clean as that. Like the the easiest explanation is usually is usually the best one. Jeff Lebby just outsmarted himself in that game. That's what happened. I mean, I I just don't. It. Yeah, I mean, I you know my my conspiracy theories are well documented on on this show about Dylan Gabriel, and is and so it that's just, why it didn't make any. Yeah, and like I, it didn't I just make any this, sense because like it, they they were kind of jerking around running backs forever, and then whenever the going got tough, they finally put in their good running backs against Kansas because they knew they had to. So my thing is like Jeff Levy knows Dylan Gabriel's a good player, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, I'm sure he trusts Dylan Gabriel. Why didn't he all of a sudden then? Okay, we got I don't know. Gabriel. I don't know. I, I have no it, idea. It was because of the rain. It was because of the weather. He can't throw in the, the rain. I think that's what it was. But I, I, and I the opening I, pick six. That's weak. That's weak. It's your you don't. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying. I think that's got to be what it was. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Why can't it just I, be it that just, it was just it, a bad day? Like it's not. Not everything has an explanation. He may have just been like, oh, whatever. He just liked the run plays that day. Because every time that every I mean, time they were the, working, every time that game. Gabriel threw the ball in that game, other than the pick six, which was awful, he his, he looked like Dylan Gabriel. I so I'm. And this is even like this was my big takeaway after seeing after seeing the TCU game, watching Dylan Gabriel play in person. That's the third time I've seen Dylan Gabriel play in person over the last two seasons. It's the first game where he's really let it go and he's thrown the ball over the yard. Dylan Gabriel's good, man. And so like this is and we'll we'll get back into it, but you know, this was the two, the two, the 2023 season and we'll get into this probably later, but when I think about the season, 
I'm going to think about Dylan Gabriel. This is his season. He's the best player in the conference. He deserves all of the accolades that are going to come his way. He absolutely proves me wrong on basically every metric or every question I had about him coming into this season. And the reason why OU is going to have to play in the freaking Alamo Bowl this year is because in the situations this season, when they absolutely needed it the most, Jeff Lebby did not put the ball in the hands of his best player and just say, hey, here's the ball. Your receivers are going to get open and find them. If he would have done that in Kansas, they'd be 11-1 and right now. And they'd be in the Big 12 championship game and they'd be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl, regardless of the outcome of that Big 12 championship. And I'm frustrated about that. I'm, I'm really, really frustrated. Because what we saw against TCU was Oklahoma just kind of running their basic stuff and executing at a high level. And that's all they needed to do in the second half of this season. All they needed to do was spread people out, snap the ball to Dylan Gabriel, and let him find the open guy. And frankly, they'd be 12-0 and 0 right now. Yeah, it's not that easy, though. I mean, TCU is a, a terrible, terrible pass defense. It's, it's beautiful weather. Oklahoma's offensive line wasn't letting anything through. It was easy. Like, a lot of quarterbacks could have done that against TCU. It was, it was easy in but that like game. They, but uh, they didn't. There, nobody, like, that was, that was the most that TCU has been run up and down the field on all season long. Yeah, but they've they've gotten worked, and other teams have done it like that. Like in that particular situation, uh, it was it was easy. So Dylan Gabriel, yes, he is good, but I also think Jeff Levy knows that Dylan Gabriel's a product of his offense a lot of the time. I mean, he's only been in that offense really his entire career, with the exception of one season, which it was a few games before he got hurt. So it is frustrating that Jeff Levy knows him better than anybody. They're like best buds, and we saw whatever we saw against Kansas. And I, I, yeah, that I don't know. I mean, it's and also, and this has got to be Levy because it's his offense. I think uh, how much leeway does the quarterbacks in his system have to to do whatever they want to do? Because I just when you're a guy like Gabriel, like there's so many times as, as quarterback, why can't you just see something and check to something and say, hey, Drake Stoops, there's a guy that's 11 yards off of you. How about you just turn run a little curl? I'm gonna hit you. You never see that in this offense. I mean, granted, you don't see that in a lot of offenses ever, except maybe in the NFL, because offensive coordinators don't let quarterbacks have a lot of freedom. That, that bothers me, too, because if there was more ability to check, if they trusted their guys more at the line, maybe you'd see more of that, but also maybe quarterbacks are just dumb and they can't read defenses. So that's why I mean, OCs One of don't the stories them. from the BYU game is that Jackson Arnold checked into that, that play at the very end on the, on, to get the final first down. He checked. He checked into checked into what though? Like was it supposed to be a run play? I, mean, I don't know. Like what? It's, why are you questioning what people said after that game? I mean, because I, I guess I heard that too, and my thought was like, I guess if it was supposed to be a run play, he checked to it. Then that's impressive. But if it was a pass play, I'm not really sure if there's a check there. Like they had a guy on an island. It was the it was an obvious read. So unless. I guess the, I guess unless Farouk was supposed to like run a go. So even if it's an easy and, check, they don't get credit for it. Because it's easy, so you only get credit for the things that are hard. I just I'd be curious to see what kind of check it was. Uh, okay, but you're making my point then. If they can make checks, then why didn't why didn't Dylan then check to a bunch of passes and against Kansas? Do it, man. What's 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 Levy gonna do? Bench you? No, he might. <laughs> I mean, if if it was Demarco Murray, he'd probably bench him. 
Uh, yeah, I, I just. By like, the way, I mean, like, it's it is what it this this is what it is. Like I, OU at at certain times this season has has flashed a ceiling on offense that is that is really attractive, really sexy, and I it it does feel like they have made the choice in games this year not to reach that ceiling. SMU, Cincinnati, Kansas, Oklahoma State, all games where they made a choice not to do that. That's on one person. So you can take the good with it. They scored a lot of points when he was here. They completed forward passes at a high rate, which I really, really appreciate. But there, And it was the same story as last year, though. When you just look at the numbers, you look at the SP Plus and the FPI and the total yardage, everyone is just, yes, this is great. But when you watch them, there's just something a little off. There's something a little off. And that is Jeff Levy. It is. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean like you, you pair that offense. Let's just say like you pair the offense that OU has had the last two years with a top 10 defense. Then, yeah, you're going to get away with way more of that crap. Way, 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 way more of that stuff. But that wasn't, no, I, that, that wasn't the case this year. And still, like I, I'm going to beat the drum on this because this was the case last season, too. But the players that they have on offense going up against the players in the defensive players in the Big 12, OU has been, on a personnel basis, has been so much better than the rest of the conference, even these last two years. And I thought we saw that this year when OU was as basic as they possibly could and they just kind of ran their stuff. They went up and down the field all season long. You know, I, I share your thought. I mean, I'm, it's, I think we're on, we're on the same page with Levy. Uh, I'm not as, I guess maybe I'm not as like frustrated with the season just because that's kind of what OU is and they weren't going to go anywhere and win anything big anyways. But I mean, they, to your, to everyone, to your point, everyone's point. Sure. I, I would prefer them to be playing for a, a big 12 title and yeah. And, and for, like a chance for a better bowl game. So in that sense, yeah, that that's disappointing. Uh, you brought up how, you know, the Kansas game, Bedlam this year, and then even some of the wins, head-scratching offensive game planning and, and play calling. It's easy to think about only this year, but, the, the, you know, last year there was a lot of it. The most ridiculous one was in a win against Oklahoma State. I, we all forget about that where they were just nails in the first quarter, and then I think we were texting 28 nothing in the first quarter, Bedlam last season. And I'm not sure if Oklahoma gained 28 yards the rest of the game. It just and you know Spencer Sanders was so bad, and Oklahoma State was in such a funk that it didn't matter, and Oklahoma still won the football game. But you know that that's something that you know Mississippi State fans aren't going to know about particularly is is that whatever that was against <laughs> Oklahoma State, and that can that can happen in a Jeff Levy offense if you don't have the right guys or if things aren't going well or if the quarterback's not right. You can go through long stretches of nothing. And it wasn't nearly, obviously, it wasn't like that this year for the most part. There was just enough stretches and big moments to hand Oklahoma a couple losses. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I think this might, my initial thought for Mississippi State was this is not a good hire. I just can't imagine Jeff Levy being a very good head coach. But now that, like, I've slept on it a little bit more and, we talked here, and you, like Mississippi, you said Mississippi State knows what it is, and kind of I'm thinking more about the Mike Leach. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's Mississippi State's gamble. They're like, you know what? We think this guy might be able to do enough weird stuff to where we could score some points, 
And maybe we can get, you know, I'm very curious to see who he has to call the defense. Who does he know to call defense? I don't know. Uh, that's going to be huge. Are they going to be like an LSU Alex where they can't stop anybody? I mean, that that's just, that would be. Alex Grinch goes and, I mean, heck, he's from the Leech Tree. And he, you know, he, he had a decent amount of success at Washington State. <laughs> Mississippi State's kind of like Washington State of the SEC. <laughs> so, uh, no, it's not going to be Alex Grinch. But maybe it'll be, uh, maybe it'll be the roofer. Maybe he'll hire Ted. Hey, Teddy boy. Yeah, see, that's what I'm like. That's what I'm still more looking out for. And I, I, I'm not going on inside info or anything, but I, I still kind of feel like Roof is not going to be back next year. Hmm, interesting. And um, that's that's where you go get your splash guy. Brent, it's okay. It's okay. Get someone else in there who is also a defensive genius. You guys can, you can bounce ideas off of each other. It'll be great. Please, oh, man. Just, Bill Belichick. Bring in Bill. It's, Brent and Bill, the double Bs. Okay, shut up. That's stupid. It's Jim Leonard Why? or Zach Arnett. Go get one of those guys. Go get one of those guys. Why are those guys not hired? Well, I guess Arnett just got fired. Why is Jim Leonard not working? I don't get it. Because he probably is waiting for the right opportunity. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Okay, well, let's see. I feel like there's like one other point about the Levy thing that I don't know. I mean, it's I'm with you. I, I think it's you know whatever. Good luck to Lebby. I guess I don't know. I mean, I he he was good. Like Oklahoma's offense was, was really good for two years, but also was maddeningly frustrating at times. It's one of those and, things where if OU if yeah. if from this point on if OU goes on and they're just in the SEC they're just OU that we're all we all know and love, then we'll probably look back at Jeff Lebby's tenure pretty with rose colored glasses in all likelihood. The narrative will be. Hey, yeah, him and Dylan Gabriel got OU through a really, really turbulent time in OU football. And then when they got to the SEC, they were just OU. And we appreciate that. And I, I hope that's what happens. Um, and I, I mean, the other subplot I'm really interested in is that I, Dylan Gabriel is almost certainly going to be Mississippi State's starting quarterback next year. I think that's interesting. See, so yeah, I, I was listening to the Sooner Scoop guys afterwards, and they were all kind of in the, of the mind that Dylan's done and, and his, his draft stock will never be higher and he should go to the NFL. And I mean, to some extent, that, that makes sense. He's, he had his, the best year he's, he's had in his career. He had ter- tremendous stats, but it's a stacked quarterback draft. And I'm sorry, Dylan Gabriel ain't going to be starting in the NFL anytime soon. So, man, I'm with you. I think he should grad transfer and go play in Starkville in the SEC and hang out with Jeff Lebby for one more season. I, I don't know if he will, but like, is it kind of, you know, obviously I'm not in the press conference anymore. I'm not, you know, paying as much attention as I used to, but it sounds like that it's still kind of been open-ended like nobody's really he hasn't really committed any, he hasn't said like what he's doing for sure so i'm sure he's just keeping his options open in case something else comes along that sounds like a good idea maybe he can get some nil there in starkville who knows i mean i've even you, i've even had like i've over the last like i'm not really sure why of just like why i mean i i know why my feelings have so radically changed but i mean i've 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 thought to myself is it is it super wise to move on from Dylan Gabriel so quickly? If he's if, okay, if he yes, you're crazy. You gotta get this. Why going am I crazy? No, 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 no. I like I I get like I I understand everything that we said about Dylan Gabriel. I understand his limitations, everything. But to pretend like he was not one of the five best quarterbacks in college football this year is absolutely insane. He's been really good, but I think Jackson Arnold can be a lot better. So that's the difference. <laughs> that, He's got way more talent. I want to see a guy that can throw the ball better. And I just like Dylan Gabriel. I'm sorry. He's a, he's a system guy. Like he's, 
He's got an average to somewhat above average arm. His accuracy improved immensely this year. What, 70% completion? I think before this year, it was like 60-61 for his career. So incredible. Best season of his career. Uh, but he's also got lots of limitations. And I don't know. I mean, he would do – I mean, yeah, like – and at Oklahoma and the SEC next season, I'm sure he would do pretty well. Like he would, but I think there's, but Jackson Arnold's got a, got a, a bigger, higher ceiling. I, I, so. I agree that, that Arnold has a higher ceiling. I, it's, it's, it's hard just to say, nah, I don't, I don't want, I'll say no to that production that we just saw last year, or that we just saw this year from him. Uh, that was, I just, I, I thought Dylan Gabriel was magnificent this season. I thought he had, I thought he had the best season for a quarterback at OU that did not win a Heisman Trophy. May may have, may have. Let's see. Well, we'll talk about the game. <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, the game was, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the game wasn't that interesting. But yeah, let's talk about it. Well, I mean, he had a lot of praise on Dylan Gabriel, and he was fantastic in the game. Let's do this. Let's let's read your three word reviews, and we'll use that as prompts for the rest of the show talking about the game. We'll start with longtime listener Gonzo Strangelove. This is on. Uh, I'm starting on Twitter, by the way. Twitter X at Lee Benson tweets. Gonzo says, "Wishy washy defense, 500 plus yards allowed." Ugh. Also, he says, "Defensive line, yuck." Need new PR? Oh, punt returner. Gotcha. Is Gavin Freeman really the best option? Question mark. Uh, yeah, let's, let's stop there. Um, that's that was the storyline of the game. Obviously, Gavin Freeman, you know, decides to try to field the punt, muffs it, uh, gives his TCU a bunch of momentum when they didn't need to have any momentum, and then he stays in the game and you know doesn't make any mistakes after that, but. Uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it just, I don't, I don't get it. I, they've, I guess they've stuck with him. So as a player, it must be nice to know that you can make as many mistakes. <laughs> it seems like as he's made this year and it, you can still get the play. Now, DeMarco Murray doesn't have that same leash <laughs> at the running back room. That's for sure. Uh, I, I don't get it, man. I, and then there was the, the, you know, we were there at the game. And I kind of missed the the play right before the Brennan Thompson long touchdown pass was like some sort of reverse to Gavin Freeman that lost eight yards. It was like a wing uh, the, tee play the, out of the shotgun. Okay, because like the TV copy picked it up like in the middle of the play, so I didn't get a chance to really re, re, you know rewatch it well. And so it's like really after after all this stuff in this season, after all the stuff we've seen this year, you're gonna you're gonna keep calling side to side stuff with this guy. It just it doesn't. After he's he's muffed a punt, uh, it's just so many opportunities, and I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's gonna have to be different next year. They got. I mean, there's got to be other guys on this roster. But then, I don't. Maybe not. I mean, Brent Venables was telling us how awesome he was in the preseason, and I told you all that was just ridiculous because uh, you know, Brent Venables likes walk-ons, and they have a lot of talent at wide receiver. Granted. It was speculation for the most part and hope. And then we find out that, yes, they do. They have plenty of talent at wide receiver. And that was all confirmed. You tell me they don't have another guy that can be back there to return punts. Um, you tell me Jaquaz Petaway couldn't return punts this year. 
least give it a shot. I know Drake Stoops is back there, but they don't get him hurt. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry. I'm filibustering. Your thoughts? No, I mean, they got to figure out special teams. I it's, it's all part and parcel with just how awful special teams have been this year. And, like, you know, that's something that we haven't really talked a whole lot about on this podcast, but it's it obviously bears mentioning. I mean, they've... They've left points on the board this or they've they've had points scored against them because of special teams miscues and that's that just should never happen. At the very least special teams should not hurt you and they've hurt them far too often this year. And uh that's they're going to have to get into the I mean they're going to have to get into to the hopper and feel and you know figure out what's going on there. Have to figure something out and if it's if they have to hire a, a full-time special teams coach then do it. So here's my thing. I I'm I'm not as down on special teams as it seems like everybody else is because i remember it's been the bad the season, it's been really bad this year they're 127th in special teams in sp plus 127th i think that what everyone remembers is missed kicks that's been and that's just that's the kicker they can't have a kicker uh the texas game was bad and there's been a couple of muff punts but overall like i don't think it's been as bad as everyone makes it out to be like it hasn't been good uh the start of the season special teams was terrific they're making a bunch of great play like Every single game, there was like one great special teams play they were making up until like the Texas game. So I think it's been mostly just because Zach Schmidt can't kick. And that's kind of and the, and the, the block, the block punt against Texas. So like their, their entire buff- like their entire punting thing was a total disaster until they just decided on Luke Elzinga. Like they were doing weird stuff with that. I yeah, I mean, I, I think their special teams has been. It's, they look unorganized. They don't. They like they're they're not good on on kick coverage either. Like kickoffs, they're not like especially in the second half. They've given up a lot past the twenty five. They can't return kicks either. Now their 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 special teams has been a very large net negative this year. No, they've been not. fine on kickoff. No, they they haven't. Like, they haven't given up like a long kickoff return. Like oh, you would always give up like long kickoff returns. It seems like all they've the time. given up a lot of stuff to like the thirty five. Yeah. Okay. Like that's, that's not bad. The world. That's bad. That's an extra ten yards. It's it's better than like in the worst moments ever. You give up a kickoff return past the fifty, which would seem like it happened all the time under Lincoln Riley. So what, even like, Bob Stoops. So you don't think that they should spend any time like interrogating special teams in the off season to see like well, of course just they, be like, they yeah, need whatever. to improve it. No, no, they need to improve it. My my whole pushback is that I just don't think it's it's been as bad as. Everyone says it's like the worst ever. I just don't. 127. I think it's mainly because of the kicker. NSP plus. 127. It's, it's got to be because of the kicker. They missed too many kicks. Like that, the, the kicker's been bad. And that's, that's not good. You need a good kicker. I just think that that's my theory is that Zach Schmidt being bad has made it to where. And then the, in the Texas game. The Texas game was, was horrible. And they still won the game, which is crazy. That's the thing. is like I don't think the special teams really has as bad as it's been. And again, I don't think it's been as bad as everyone thinks. I don't think it's really cost, cost them. That's what's weird about it. Like, if it was going to cost them a game, it would be Texas. They won somehow. And granted, it could have been a lot more uh, relaxing if the special teams were better in that game. Uh, so I, maybe that's, like, another reason why it just it doesn't bother me as much. And surely, you know, Venables knows it. And, again, start of the year, they were doing good things on special teams, blocking punts. What was the uh, – which, which game was it where Jacoby Johnson was the guy who was supposed to go down and catch the punt inside the five-yard line, and then he just didn't – was that Bedlam or was that Kansas? Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I think that was Kansas. Yeah, that was bad. Not being able to locate the ball and try to down it. Yeah, that was that Jacoby Johnson? Oh, man, Jacoby J, my man. 
I hope he gets more snaps at corner next year. Dude's got great length and size. Perfect for corners. All right. Well, Gonzo Strangelove has more. He says Nunez's seat warm. I know Jay Nunez is like the de facto special teams guy. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, they don't have like an f- official special teams coach. Uh, again, remember, this is from after the game. So this is before Lebby's news came out of going to Mississippi State. But Gonzo says, Lebby, mostly good. Who's coming back? Uh, and, again, this is before Oklahoma State played BYU. So he says, come on, BYU. And finally says, 10-win season. Let's see. We got Ben. Ben says, well, Ben, uh, is this your burner account, Grant? He says, bring Dylan back. <laughs> Maybe that's your, your burner. Angel says, one-year turnaround. Not many schools can pull off these sort of turnarounds. It took Texas a decade to turn around a bad run. Uh, yeah, no, like, and I, Angel's a friend of mine. Uh, and... I'd say it's to Angel's face. Angel's certainly a lot more of a, uh, I'd say, crimson-colored glasses person than I am. Uh, I'd, I'd push back and say, yes, at one-year turnaround, but as we've said millions of times on this podcast, oh, you should not have been six and seven last year. <laughs> like, they, they should have won at minimum eight games, if not nine or ten. So, and Grant, I'll throw over to you because you're the analytics guy. What's the, the stats going around with, uh, is it SP plus or something where OU's like the same <laughs> As they, they were have the last exact year. same, yeah. They're they have the exact same SP plus rating right now as they did at the end of the last season. Fifteen and a half points above average of the average college football team. Last year it was that was good for twentieth in the country. This year it's thirteenth in the country. Um, but, but I mean, their their offensive rating is better this year than it was last year. Defensive rating is way better than it was last year. Special teams is what is dragging them down on there. But it is, I mean, it's, it kind of goes with what we were saying all of last year, though, is that you know, they were so bad in one-possession games, and we'll play here or there, turns around, and OU, OU's 9-3 and three in the regular season instead of 6-6. Six and six. And it's, it's almost like they're the same team this year in a lot of ways, except yeah, they just won the I mean, close they, games. They, they, they genuinely corrected a lot of their most fatal, costly things last year, where... On offense, it was situationally, it was Dylan Gabriel not being able to throw over the middle of the field and not being able to keep his head when there was when there was traffic in the pocket around him. This year, he was magnificent at both of those things, was really, really good, and they were much better situationally. The thing that flashed, they were 12 for 16 on fourth down this year. That's really, really good. 12 for 16. Um, and then on defense, the biggest issue last year was David Aguebu being the worst linebacker in college football. <laughs> and oh, and also a the, huge. He wasn't on the field this year, and they got elite linebacker play from Danny Stutzman. At times, they got really good linebacker play from Jaron Canick and Kip Lewis. There you go. They're a lot better. And I'll I'll give Lebby a ton of credit because um, kind of went through. So, and I haven't talked about it much on this podcast here and there. I have, but I've been tracking third down conversions between last season and this season because last year Oklahoma was so bad on I mean they, they were good on third down for the most part but they were really bad on third and long which third and long is difficult don't get me wrong but I mean Oklahoma last year on third and long was like 18 percent third and seven plus only you know less you know just short of one of every five times they were in third and seven or longer they weren't getting it and so through 12 games a season ago 
OU was at 17.5% conversion rate on third down. This year, third and seven plus through 12 games, 42.1%. That's terrific. That is fantastic. That's Dylan That's Gabriel's awesome. step that he took right there. He is, he, I'm, I just, I'm, that's that's my big takeaway from this season. This is 2023 is the year of Dylan Gabriel. He was great this year. He was really, really, really good. And um, I just, yeah, I, I think that's really, really cool. And I, I, there was probably times where people were listening to this podcast where I would criticize DG and you maybe thought that I was rooting against the guy. And, but I, my, my attitude on him has changed completely. I, it got to a point this season where he, I was just really confident in him, and I just wanted the ball in his hands. Yeah, he had a great year. Nick says, bye, Big 12. Sonny Hill Sooner says, defense's regression continues. Now, boy, like, we'll see what happens. They, they got to play Arizona. If they play Arizona in the Alamo Bowl, which everyone's predicting, I mean, Arizona's got a good offense. They got a good quarterback. Oklahoma's pass defense is bad. It was bad last year. It's bad this year. And that's not looking good for the bowl game because if the bowl game goes like the TCU game went, and granted, I know TCU, the, the, the raw stats don't look good, but like, you know, you'll yards per attempt by, by Hoover, and it's not great. But still, you're giving up a lot of yards through the air. That's, that's ridiculous. Uh, last year, Oklahoma was almost dead last in the nation in pass yard defense, pass defense. Right now, Grant, they're 100th in the nation. They're bad. Like, they can't defend the pass. And that's, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I just don't. Can <laughs> the defense is better, but yet it was horrible defending the pass with Alex Grinch. It was horrible defending the pass when Mike Stoops was here at the end, and now it's horrible when Brent Venables is here. Like the players look better, like the corner, like they look like they have more. At least the defensive backs look to be like better at maybe not committing as many dumb PIs as Trey Brown and uh, Buki and Pat Fields would commit. But they're still bad. Like, teams are still getting whatever they want through the air. That scares me a lot going into the SEC, obviously. Like, that, like they, they got to figure that out. And is, is it just talent recruiting? I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, you can, you can throw on OU all day. All day. Um, as, if, you're, if your protection holds up, man, you can pick them apart easily. And that was the thing. I mean, you go back and watch, rewatch the first half. A lot of, a lot of Josh Hoover's kind of bad stats came in the first half really there was a I think when the game was 42 to 13 Josh Hoover was like I think at one point in time was like 14 of 30 for 121 yards or something like that and I mean he was he was missing dudes who were open but a lot of it but OU got a lot of pressure in the first half go back and watch it they they were making him really uncomfortable back there they just for whatever they just and I mean, I mean, it goes back to the two. They they could not they could not get the quarterback to the ground at all this year. Virtually half Awful. their sacks this season came against Texas. Yeah, there's the I, I was able to go back and rewatch just the first half, which of course I I missed out on the bad defense in the second half. But yeah, I, talking about not getting quarterbacks to the ground, there was the play where Kip Lewis blitzed right through the I think B gap, had a free run, and just a little little move by Hoover was able to get to where Kip couldn't get a clean hit and Kip was like kind of hanging on for dear life and then he was able to throw it away and it's like you got a free run to the quarterback I get it it's not easy just to because the quarterback's gonna move but stuff like that where 
you think uh, you think Michigan's like linebackers are gonna you know miss that sack or like no Penn never States, o- OU players are literally up. the only people that ever happens to. And I know I I know Granted, I, I I watch a ton of OU so I see it happen a lot. Yeah, I don't okay. really ever see that crap happen when I watch other teams. Granted, uh, you know they have a lot more opportunities to do that at Penn State and Michigan because they they have a lot more practice because they play against a lot of bad offenses with bad quarterback play and they just blitz a lot. So like you have more you have more chances they're going to do it a lot more. <laughs> uh, and so Oklahoma doesn't do it as much. And but still like they got to be better. And speaking of that, I'm just thinking like I. This just pops into my head, B, and I and I want to go in on it because I have an ego and I like to do these things. But um, you, you tell me if, if you push back on this a lot. But by my eyes, TCU has a lot of really good players on offense. They like they they might be just as talented as they were last season on offense, and they went five and seven this year. Sonny Dykes is a bad coach. Yeah, so like when you're saying that Oklahoma's talent's been so much better than everybody else's, and like, yes, I agree, but like, I think offensively, look at the Big 12, there's a lot of really talented offensive guys, and there's teams that have more talent and speed than OU does. Like, OU doesn't have a guy that looks, that can just take off and just run by people, which is crazy. They that's, don't. that's not correct. Who, who is it? You, just, you literally just saw Brennan Thompson do that in this game. They barely use him, though. Barely use him. Like, have they given the ball to him on a jet sweep? No. Why not? They should. Maybe you can't turn the corner. Because I don't know. Because they they make bad decisions in that part of the game. All right, fine. No, I, like, yes, you're correct. He he can run fast, but they don't ever really use him. Like t- to your point, TCU like that JoJo Earl guy. He's not like a like he can run pretty fast. Like they Savion Williams is pretty good. Like yeah, like the running backs good. Amani Bates. Uh, but their quarterback like, sucks. Like, the quarterback's I, not good anymore. I'm sorry. Like OU had had the four best wide receivers in this game. Nick Anderson, See, Drake's, of, like Nick Anderson. But none of OU's oh. receivers are like a, a burner. That's like, oh, you get the ball in the outfield, like they're going to run by you. They don't have like I thought. I thought Nick Anderson could be that, and he might be at someday. That is, but I don't think yeah, he is. Nick, Nick Anderson's fast. Nick Anderson's fast. He can run by people, and I mean that was it's it is that's supposed to be Andrew Anthony, and he's. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a left ACL right now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so more from Twitter X. Jonathan says, uh, more for you, Grant. He says, DG saved BV. Says it doesn't refer to the game, but uh, Venables' era. He says, Dylan needs a lot of credit for coming to Oklahoma and stabilizing the program after the departure of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. 2022 was bad, but we saw what Oklahoma looked like without him, and in 23, he's been great. I mean, it's a mixture. It's 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 uh, it's Lebby and Gabriel. I mean, they were a package deal for the most part. Uh, you know, like I mean, Lebby was first, and I know there was like a down down to the wire because Gabriel was at but like, UCLA, and you know they got you know once they got Lebby. I mean, Gabriel they they always wanted to, it was always going to be Lebby. So, but yeah, no, they both they both deserve credit. I mean, as much as a lot of people don't like Jeff Lebby, I get it. Fine, uh, he's a, he's a good offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I'm I'm certainly not as like down on him as seems like everybody else granted a lot of people like him a lot i mean he's the stats are good but at the same time though i don't i don't think this is like some sort of insurmountable loss for oklahoma like they're they can be fine no he's he's very much replaceable indeed uh uh matt uh, has some comments on on the the tv crew he says goodbye brando 
Old well, Tim I Oh man, I was so I was ready to before I, I I pulled up that broadcast today, and I think this happened last year too. I think it was like the Baylor broadcast or something where I was, or maybe the Iowa State game where I was there in person and everyone was talking about how bad it was, and I rewatched it and I was like, oh god, yeah, it was that's pretty rough. Had to be the um, Baylor broadcast. The Baylor broadcast last year was. Terrible. Yeah, yeah, but I will, and so I saw everyone kind of like on Twitter and on the message boards after complaining about Brando and Spencer, and yeah, I can't confirm, they were awful. They were really bad, like really, really, really <laughs> bad. Like I want to, you remember the, the, it was the one time that OU punted in the game, and it was on, on third and kind of medium, uh, Farouk ran just a slant, basically the same slant from the BYU game, and and man, Dylan Gabriel hit him in the worst possible spot in the hands, right between right between his two pecs. So literally, he it was a perfect throw, and then you know it hit Jalil Farouk right in the hands, and is a drop. It was it was the droppiest drop probably in the history of football. You got freaking Brando and Spencer Tillman talking about what a great defensive play the defensive back made on it, and they showed <laughs> like I, I I kid you not, they showed four different perfect angles of the ball just bouncing perfectly right off of Jalil Farouk's hands with the defensive back not even engaging with Jalil Farouk, not even touching him, clearly beaten on the route. They had to have seen it four different times. And then by the last one, Spencer Tillman was like, yeah, you see it right there. Great defensive play. I'm just like... I'm like, I started, I yeah, started I rubbing my temples. I started rubbing <laughs> my temples. I mean, I'm just like... Okay, this is what people are talking about. You know it's bad when I start to feel secondhand embarrassment listening to the broadcast. Where I'm just like, oh my gosh, if that was me and I made that mistake, I, I'd, I'd go and bury myself behind the stadium. Yeah, some people like are very in tune with broadcasts and like the like you know one of my good friends, Jared. I bring him up on show like he's he's always very very into the the play by play guy like the and I'm just not. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care that much. Uh, so point being is that you got to be really bad for me to be like, okay, this is bad. And when I was rewatching the game, I was actually rewatching it on mute. So I didn't get to really take it all in. I, the only thing I really saw was uh, Billy Bowman's pick six. I think I saw the call on that. And that was, that was I was like, what? <laughs> it, it was, it was very awkward and like, didn't have, it's almost like they didn't know what was going on. Uh, so that, yeah, that if that was a sign of what the most of the game was like, then yeah. And they were that. also they were hyper fixed. Like, and I don't. And obviously, like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna feel biased towards this, but they were just really excited whenever TCU did something well, and just not at all when OU did something well. And they got for basically like an entire quarter, they got super fixated on the. Remember the kind of the long throw to Nick Anderson over the middle where he got got separated from the ball and it was an incomplete pass and and in the stadium it was just it was incomplete and no they didn't really show a replay of it they showed a replay and they were adamant that that was a fumble and and like I'll be honest with you like you can it's one of those where it's like yeah you can make an argument for it but it wasn't like it was very bang bang it was not obvious if they would have gone to review it probably like I it would have been really hard for them to overturn it but man they were fixated on that and they kept just bringing that up over and over again Basically, like trying to, like in sort of in the context that TCU is like getting screwed by the officials and stuff like that. And I was just like, you know, I, what a weird, what a weird play to fixate on. That is so so bang bang. And the only way, like the only way to make it look like a fumble is if you if you slow it down to one tenth of the speed. And like I, that's, that's not that's but that's not the point. The point is catch two two feet. Uh, 
So like I, I thought like I actually like when I saw the replay that I thought, oh wow, I, that was a lot, that was a lot closer to a catch than I thought. Uh, and I think if they would have reviewed it, I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have called it a catch because the the one thing that may that may have made it to where it wasn't is because when Anderson caught it, he got one foot down. He was starting to tuck it away. He had another secure. foot down. The ball's not fully that would be secure. the one. That would be it's the like, one thing is. And if, it was, and it was if it moving only, a little bit in his hand. If it only kind of looks like a fumble, if you go down to one-tenth of the speed, but if it also at one-tenth of the speed, the ball is not fully secure, it's like, you see what we're doing here? I, again, you get fixated with the, the speed. That, that, that's not the point. The point, that, like, the I, fact I, that you I'm, can slow it down is why it's cool that we have replay. Like, so it doesn't matter. Like, the fact that we can slow it down is the point of, like, where we can tell. Like, your whole thing is, like, Oh, basically, there shouldn't be replays. You just base it off of no, fast motion. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be replays. Or whatever they watch the replay, a, should they just I'm watch it in, in regular motion? I'm saying in a yes, that is what I'm saying. In a situation like that, if you cannot make the same call, if you cannot see the same thing watching it in real motion that you see going down to one tenth, what are we doing here? Well, there's a rule book for a reason. That's what the point of slowing it down, because our naked eye can't tell. But like if. It fulfills a rule based, and you slow it, and you got to slow it down to see it. Why not use that? That's what instant replay is for. So, but yeah, that that was a lot closer than I thought. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we his back was turned, and the fact that they didn't review it kind of made me think, oh, it must have been not that close. Yeah, it was a lot closer than I thought, and that was a break for OU because I think they they, they would have turned it over there and they went down and scored that possession. I believe. I mean, they scored like a bunch of possessions, but still, whatever. I guess like I, what's the what's the limit of slowing it down though? What if you could what if you could slow it down to like one one millionth of it to like molecular level, and it's like oh, like it's it's obvious. Yeah, no, actually, there's a little bit of like of microscopic space between the ball and his hands. He doesn't actually have it, so he's not like what's the what's what's the line? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand your fixation on this part of it. My whole thing is that there's a rule book. Like you catch two two steps or like a football move and then like that's a catch. And so you slow it down as as much as you need to to, to be able to get a good view of it. I, I doesn't matter like you wouldn't need to slow it down to barely moving. That doesn't make any sense. It does. You're just not thinking hard enough. No, you're you're overthinking this big time. Like I, you're you're thinking of something that's not even there. No, I'm not. It is actually there. Like that's why I like it's. This is a it big idea. Sense. Like I'm not saying like no. It does make sense. I'm asking you to think a little bit outside the box. I like you're a very okay, very so, black and white thinker. You are like you're just like there's this and this and this. But like I even just brought up something. Like I asked you like what if you could slow it down to one one millionth of something and it looked different than it did at one one hundredth of the speed or one tenth of the speed. How could it, it look change different? Because if something is slower, you see it differently. Things shift. Things go different. Like, no, no, it doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. If it's it, it, one one hundredth of the speed, like it's first of all, it's not even moving, so it's just it's frozen in time, it's freeze frame, like that's that doesn't make any sense to me because you're you're looking for a catch, feet down, that's it. Like it doesn't matter how like the reason why you slow it down is so you can kind of see it, and you can actually see the timing of like oh he's caught it, there's a foot, there's a knot. Like if you just slow it down even more, it'll just take 
longer for you to see the whole play. Like, all right, now we're going to sit here for five minutes as this slowly goes. Why are we going so slow here? Oh, because Grant wanted to see it this slow to see if it looks different. All right. And it would, it would look differently. Different. Your brain, your brain would, would, um, would analyze it differently. No, but not, it would be different because it would be slower, but it wouldn't change the fact that you're seeing the same exact thing at one tenth of a speed as you are at one one hundredth of the speed. The ball's going to do the same exact thing, whether it's slow or not. So your argument is that by the naked eye, that's what should count. Whereas I think, no, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just, I'm just asking like, what is, what's the line of something that is, so like you say, yeah, two steps in a football move. Cool. When you slow it down to one tenth, you can be like, okay, one, two, and then uh, it's maybe a football move, but also that's just kind of part of, that's, that's part of the process of like catching it. He was bringing it in. But then when you speed that up in, in real speed, it looks like nothing. It's bang, bang, boom. But that's not the point though. doesn't matter what it looks like for regular speed. It, 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 I'm, I'm telling you that it does matter to me. Oh, Because well, it looks totally different. Okay. When you go one-tenth, it but looks that's not the standard, though. totally different. But, like, so your standard's different, though, than what it, it like, that's the way re- replay review works. I, I, again, we've had this conversation before, and I just, I feel like I need to have this with somebody else, because I, I don't, I really don't understand, like, I get that you're trying to, like, be different and think, like, but it doesn't, it really doesn't make sense to me. So uh, maybe somebody else would grasp it differently. Maybe a listener gets it more than me because I, 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 I don't get it. All right. Jack says, well, farewell, Lebby. And this is before Lebby took the job. So I guess Jack kind of assumed that he would be gone. Michael says, 2018 OU return. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> a nice score. Okay. And oh, and Michael says Mississippi State application. So everyone was kind of thinking Mississippi State, huh? I guess I guess maybe that was the rumor on the message boards. Probably yeah, it already that rumor had already started to pop up on Friday, like during the game. So um, ah, yeah. uh, what uh, what was read back those last few ones that you read? There was something. Uh, that... Twenty eighteen OU return. I think you were going to comment on that. Oh no, I, I actually was going to say another thing that popped up. Um, I, I thought one of the biggest problems, especially in the second half, the linebackers were terrible. Danny Stutzman's not healthy. Um, it's clear, like there's a, there's one play where he's got to, somebody gets around the edge. It's either Bailey or Jalen Robinson or something. And people are chasing him and watching Danny try to run full speed. He's very clearly injured. He's just not yeah. playing at full speed. So that was a problem. And I'll be honest with you. I think the biggest problem is they are worn out. The defense is very banged up. They are, they're not healthy at corner. Um, I, I don't know. I I, I just I was watching. I, did I think did things have half, really did, piled up? Did Gentry play the second half? Because he was playing deep into the first half. I didn't. I didn't notice Gentry playing inside. I, I noticed a lot of Josiah Wagner in the second half. Okay. Well, I was kind of surprised. I was getting closer, deeper to the end of the second quarter, and I saw Gentry still out there. I was thinking, like, oh, I, I guess I don't recall him even being out, out there still. I thought he was like. On the sidelines, but yeah, I mean they gotta they gotta get a lot better at corner, and um, they gotta be good enough to the point where they can have two corners out there, and they can they can just play press man coverage and be comfortable with it, because like that's what I and, and like I gosh I know gosh I feel like it's two thousand and eight again, and we're we're doing this again, and we're just like please just get up and be physical with the receivers, and like I know they do it sometimes they do it a lot more now 
than they did on, on, under the Riley regime and everything. But I'm just watch Texas play Oklahoma State on Saturday. I guarantee you that Ryan Watson and Malik Muhammad are going to be up on the receivers in their face 100% of the snaps because that will completely take away what Alan Bowman wants to do. We'll see. Hunter said, uh, well, this didn't work out. Hunter said, go Tech, BYU. Well, both those teams lost. Uh, Trey asks, has defense regressed? I mean, the stats are going to be yes, better than of last year. Has. Of course it has. The, but the like defense since the start of the season, in the sec- yes. In the second half, absolutely it has. Yeah, and, and Carl comes in here uh, with a similar feeling saying, Alex bleeping Grinch. <laughs> oh, no. that's You know it's not uh, Venables. You don't want people talking about Alex Grinch around here. Finally, P23570 has got multiple three-word reviews. It says, great teams cover. Oh, you did cover? Proof of concept. Points are nice. Mm-hmm. Lost turnover battle. Bowman doubles down. <laughs> says no more Freeman. And shades of 2016. What do you think he means by that? I remember the end of 2016. OU was really good. Yeah, they won. They won 10 in a row to end 2016. And they won the Sugar Bowl. I guess maybe in the sense that they were their defense still really wasn't that good that year, and they, I mean they they still they won the Big Twelve. They went undefeated in the Big Twelve that year. I, I I guess what you're saying this, the 2016 team is quite a bit better than this team. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean that Baker Mayfield and the like yeah they got, this team a has a be, then, this team has a better collection of receivers than that team did. Yeah, yeah. But that team also had Joe Mixon and Samaje Piran. And Baker Mayfield. And Mark oh, Andrews. Samaje, yeah, like I can give Samaje credit randomly. Um, man, I think he has, he must like slim down or something the last couple of years. He looks a lo- lot more mobile and like he can move better in Denver. At OU, he, I mean, he, to me, he always looked, maybe he says he was with Mixon and Mixon's like really fast and stuff, but he always looked like a plotter that couldn't really run very well. And same in the NFL for his first couple of years, but. I see him in Denver and stuff, and he's kind of like dicing through like the lines. Like, oh, he kind of, kind of, kind of move a little bit. Yeah, like go back and watch his highlights. He had, he had a mini of explosive runs. He was, he was a very explosive player at OU. Yeah, but he, yeah. I mean, I, I saw enough, and I saw him in Cincinnati for the first couple of years. And dude was a dude was a plotter. Couldn't move mainly because probably banked on being super strong and like can move and. Bob push people I, around. Smaje P. Ryan was just an absolutely outstanding player at OU. Great player. Lastly, on Twitter X, Dan says, stuff, punt, muff. <laughs> uh, Gibby is jiggy? Gibby. Oh, Gibson. Gibson. Here we go. Gosh, Jane Gibson's awesome. Might be my favorite player on the team. Yeah, man, he uh, catches a third down conversion for like 18 yards and then just goes up top and goes deep. And that Gabriel drops it into the bucket. Beautiful throw. But but maybe the best throw of the season came in the second quarter when he was on the far hash on third down and he threw it all the way across to Drake Stoops and just put it in the perfect spot. Like that, I think that's the best throw of 
maybe of his career. Best throw of his <laughs> I mean, career. That, awesome. Did you? I mean, you watch it on. It looks great on TV too. It looks insane. Yeah. I mean, it's it looks every bit as difficult. And he couldn't as even it finish the follow through. He got hit, and he couldn't even finish the follow through. An awesome. Um, throw. I remember when, an awesome we were throw. in the crowd, and he made that throw. And we looked at each other like, "Holy! Like, what was that throw?" Granted, if you watch it again, he had. I think he had a guy, uh, a much easier throw, <laughs> wide open to convert. So he went the hard route, but uh, it worked, and it made for a cool highlight. Can't uh, can't blame him for 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 trying to go to Drake Stoops. This is like, it's too bad. This couldn't. Drake Stoops is so hot right now. He's so hot. Like it is, it's too bad that, that that couldn't have started like two or three games earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Drake Stoops, I'm, I'm sure you noticed they you know they ran uh, you know a fourth down, the the old the old sprint out, same play they ran against Oklahoma State at the end of Bedlam, but uh, this time they had a uh, a second option, a guy at the second level, old Nick Anderson, and Dylan Gabriel did a nice job of of finding him, hitting him, and it's almost like. That was planned because the corner, not surprisingly, came up on Drake Stoops that opened up that little window there for Nick Anderson in the second level. Nah, yeah, we were there live, and we were, like, at the yard line they're at. We, that's, like, right where we were. So we were, like, right down the line of scrimmage, it looked like. And right when they snapped it and he sprinted out to his, to his left, I even said, oh, God, this S again. <laughs> <laughs> and, it yeah, worked. and then that was what I did. And then, yes, they actually layered something on top of it. There you go. Good job, Jeff Levy. Yeah, it been nice to see that a month ago. Uh, more from Dan. He says, take a bow. Take a bowman. Bowman. Very good. I like it. Finally, he says, box of chocolates. And the, the meaning behind that is that it's a mercurial defense. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, Billy Bowman, pick six. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, really good. So I'm going to say something controversial here. I know he's uh, he was kind of snubbed from the Jim Thorpe finalist list, and you know statistically, like his stats are good. It's up there. I gotta say though, man i i don't I don't think Billy Bowman is one of the best safeties in college football. I I just don't. He's made some really nice plays this year, but I don't know. I, am I am I crazy for thinking that? I think he is one of the best safeties in college football. I don't think. He's- I mean, I'm talking like top three. He's not a Thorpe guy. Know. He's not a Thorpe guy. Not this year. He's he is not good enough in pass coverage to be a Thorpe guy. He's a playmaker. Maybe that's what it is. He's got a nose for a football, or he's got he's got a nose for the football. When he has the ball in his hands, he's really good. Um, he's he's the second best player on this defense, and I think he is one of the best safeties in the country. But when I say that, I I mean he's one of the ten best safeties in the country. He's not he's not one of the three best defensive backs in the country. And that that must be what it is. I think it's a mixture of yeah he. Past defense, he can sometimes, I mean, think back to the Iowa State game, <laughs> you know, weird. Uh, you know, he can kind of, but then again, you know, he makes a great play against Texas, you know, forces the, you know, the hit, leads to an interception down there by the goal, a great play, and then obviously the pick sixes are good. So, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. I just, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of a lot of people listening to this show are, are probably mad at me for saying that, but I, I just, he's a no, good I mean, player. I'm, I just I'm right don't. there with you. The whole, the yeah. people, the people saying that he should be a Thorpe guy are wrong, uh, like, I know you're in your fields, but it's not. That's not correct. Now, now Stutzman, Stutzman should have been a Buckus finalist until he got hurt. Stutzman I, was was the best player at his position in the country. I mean, if it's based off of stats, though, which a lot of this stuff is. I mean, Billy probably should be a Thorpe guy because 
I saw some of the people listing the stats off, and some of the guys only have like forty tackles. And he's got like sixty, and he's got what? The I mean, but it shouldn't though. Like I remember, I remember, I remember the year that Morris Claiborne won the Thorpe when he like Ooh, at, when he was great. at LSU. He didn't have like any stats because he was awesome. If you have stats yeah. and you're a corner, you're not like that's usually a bad thing. All right, let's go over to the West of Everest Facebook page. <laughs> All right. I mean, I guess I'll say this one. Uh, Philip, because he's a top fan. He's, he says, this is even really three words, though. Uh, I guess technically there's a says wine dined in 69. <laughs> okay. Uh, funny. That is. Oh, they scored 69 points. I'm a sure fan. Did. Philip, keep, keep, keep doing you, my man. <laughs> uh, Tim, Tim says, Brent, defensive genius? Question mark. Ah, uh, I mean the stats. The stats look great for 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 half a season, and boy oh boy, they they don't look as good now. And they were not improvement, but there I wasn't much improvement. The defense yeah. was legitimately bad in over half of the games last season. The defense was only bad twice this season. It just happened to be the last two games of the year, unfortunately. But also, in one of those games where they were bad, at least the defense made plays when they needed to to help them win the game against BYU. Well, they also made plays against Kansas to help them win, but offense didn't help. I mean, defense was bad against Kansas, but got some takeaways. They had three, three or four in that game. And, uh, yeah. Let's go to uh, Harry. Harry says, 10-win season, indeed. Steven says, took deep shots. Yeah, was that like was that like your, your favorite game ever? I mean, oh, yes. you had, what, like three yes. or four 50-plus-yard touchdowns? Just, just drop Huck it, bombs, just bombs, baby. Huck bombs. And, like, that's... He's, hey man, they just showed it right there. That's how easy it is. Just huck bombs and win and win natties. That's what you do. Could add like another I, one. Uh, Gabriel missed Farouk to start the second half, I believe. Hucking a bomb. He did. I'm just. Uh, I'm still thinking, man. If they. Oh, if Andrew Anthony can come back, and if he's healthy, if he's if he's the same Andrew Anthony, up until he was, you know, in the the third quarter of the Texas game when he got hurt. Oh man, I'm. Andrew yeah, Anthony, Andrew. Nick That's Anderson, right. most important Jaden Gibson, Jalil Farouk, Jacquez Petaway, your five guys. Let's go. You can talk yourself into a lot of and like I'm Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson are big play machines. They are oh, yeah. like that is a you gotta get them the ball, man. Those are guys that I promise you in the SEC, defenses will be horrified of those guys. You I that's also Steven has a yeah, yeah. Got to build your offense around them. Have to build your offense around them going into next year. Those are your, those are your, like, that's, that's your X factor right there. Those are the physical freaks that you're going to have that no one's going to have an answer for. Yeah, that, that's great. That's good. Uh, I did see, though, that uh, I guess another big bodied, I guess, recruit receiver decommitted. Uh, so, whatever. Uh, whatever. Reason that it was notable to me because the guy was like six four, and I I just I love big tall receivers. I love them, but yeah, maybe they can probably find another one. Uh, also, Stephen has a really nice note for us, so f- Stephen, thank you for that. Also, happy holidays to you and yours. Uh, Skip says defense has regressed. It's been kind of a theme here. Uh, Skip says Lebby getting better. Well, I mean that was one of his best called games for sure, and now he's gone. Um, he says. Uh, no 
don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> announcers were bad. <laughs> Kansas loss hurts. Bowman pick six. And then uh, hoping for BYU to win. Hunter says four win improvement. I mean, yeah, I, again, like plus four wins. That's great. That's terrific. Still last year, shouldn't only won six. But still, they, they did it. They improved by four games. That's good. They hit their over. That means they... They did exceed expectation slightly. Their total was nine and a half. So good on Venables. Uh, ben would disagree with us. He says Billy deserved Thorpe. Michael says D ain't ready. Shelly, more uh, defensive woe, says defense was disappointing. But Shelly says this season was so much better than last year. Indeed. Yes, it was. Uh, Shane says defense. What defense? And Billy, Billy, Billy. Ben, longtime listener, Ben says, goodbye, Jeff Levy. Also 10-win season. We're getting there. Almost done. Matt says defense is concerning. A lot of, a lot of defensive uh, concerns, Grant. Uh, Well-founded. <laughs> like, not great. They need dudes on the defensive line. That's, that needs to be their number one priority. I, you know, I know that's hard to come by in the portal. Uh, they, they have to do everything they possibly can. They, they need dudes. Ben says, I agree. Ben says AA plus JG plus NA. Andrell, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson. Who hopefully, yeah, hopefully uh, Andrell can come back and be healthy after the ACL. Also, Ben says 2024 schedule insane <laughs> it's absurd i i just i i keep it's absurd i i just man that's why you gotta come in with the best passing game you possibly can you just you can like you have to give teams something to be scared of and that that's what it is and almost done on facebook michael says bye bye big 12 Dan finishes us up saying, where is defense? 10 and 2, ain't bad. And finally, great way to end it. He says, what could have been? Thank you, everyone, for leaving your three-word reviews. Apologies for the lateness of our show, but hopefully, or we're happy that we got to them for you all. So uh, let's see. Before we go, gosh, we're... Can I, can we, can I talk yeah. about something real quick? Can I, can I talk about yeah. just like the utter frustration of the Oklahoma state Cowboys and what they're, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just, I cannot deal with that crap at all. I, that's, that's, that's the worst team that's ever played in the big 12 championship game. Maybe like maybe the, the Colorado team that OU beat in 2004, notwithstanding that team. That's not a good team. Texas is going to toy with them. And I'm, it was that that's an unforgivable loss. I'm I'm tired of that crap, and also I'm really upset uh, because I had money on BYU on that game on the money line, and I would have won three hundred dollars <laughs> if they would have. They were up by eighteen points at halftime in that game, and I like I'm screw you, Oklahoma State, just an absolute clown show, and it's yeah, go I, off. I don't know. I, I'm just like you I'm, want to I'm save so, this for when we talk about OSU Texas. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm so upset about that. That is just so stupid. But it was utterly predictable. 
I was on here all week saying that that was by far the most likely of, of the games. And like, I, I, how, yeah, how many times no, do I have to right. say that Oklahoma State is not a good team before people realize that? I think most people realize it. But absolutely ridiculous. That team, like, that, that, team is, that team is worse than some teams that will not be bowling this year. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Alan Bowman, uh, again, uh, back to pass. <laughs> back to pass. <laughs> An out thrown by Alan Bowman. Oh, my, my God. <laughs> like, what a terrible pick six. I mean, it was def- definitely a miscommunication, obviously. but uh, Probably should have thrown three or not- four more in that game. He's not good. That sucks. But that BYU sucks. blew it. Shrinks space and he just he shrinks space and he turtles. Give him any sort of give just five yard of cushion or whatever, and he's he's kind of comfortable. Ten yard of cushion, he's so comfortable. He can have a just you play press coverage and the guy the guy craps his pants. Has no idea what to do. Well, um, oh, like you got him when he was playing his best ball, and they they didn't put a kibosh on it, which they should have. Which for a middle portion of the game they did, but. Still, they did too much, or they allowed too much from Bowman. And then UCF a week later was like, okay, we're, we're done with this crap. <laughs> and, and UCF went ahead and basically ended his good season. And he hasn't played well since then. Since, and since so I, I just, screw you, Oklahoma State. Uh, like, and you know what? I'm sure they're just, they're laughing all the way to the bank. Ha, 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 ha. But, I mean, now we, we have to watch freaking Texas win the Big 12 in the last year that we're both in the conference. I just I don't I don't like it. Like that's 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 a that leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. I do not like that. Like this is this is Oklahoma's conference. This conference exists because of Oklahoma. Still exists because of Oklahoma. And I just like I that's the one thing. I think that's probably the the ongoing disappointment from this season is that narrative will never die. That will always be there. And I I do not like that. Well, not only is Texas going to win the Big 12, they're also going to make the college football playoff, too, in the final year of the Big 12. After Louisville beats Florida State, and uh, everything else kind of falls into place. I think Texas is probably the obvious team they'll put in. I'd feel pretty good about my chances if I was Texas right now. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, they, they just need Louisville to beat Florida State. and Well, they got to win, too, but I, I'm sorry. Like Oklahoma State is probably like the sixth best team they've played this year. <laughs> TCU is better than Oklahoma State. Yeah, I know Oklahoma State's not good. The one thing that gives me pause, though, is that Mike Gundy has been pretty darn good against Texas in his career, and even better as a massive underdog. So that would give me a little bit of pause if I'm a Texas fan. And also, you said it yourself, Grant. There's no – well, again, I guess you said it against you know, before the Iowa State game. There's just no way Texas would ever lose a game like that, <laughs> which they didn't lose. They did, they, they did win. So um, – yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I'm, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I I'm Tech sorry, like a better a, chance a, to win, and, and Tech got SMU is two touchdowns now. better than Oklahoma State. I, I just like that is that is one of the least impressive nine and three teams I have ever seen, and I like I am so frustrated. That should that should well, be yeah, a rallying yeah, got, cry in the off season. The team should feel should feel it deep in their bones and their soul that they lost to that freaking team, and that needs to be what motivates them. That is un- unacceptable. Well, and then I saw the, uh, you know, we were sharing on our text thread that uh, analytical ranking or whatever it is of the, the teams with the, was it luck ranking or something? And uh, Oklahoma State 
according to that, is the number one team of luck or no, the number one luckiest team. Is that, is yes. that correct? Yes, they've only had yeah. a win expectancy over 50% in five of their 12 games this year. Get out of here with that crap. You know who's not on that top 25 list? OU. That's right. It's not you know who's on they that top 25 list? A bunch of lucky o- teams. OU's had a win expectancy over 50% in all of their games this year. All right, well, there's going to be some more rants coming as we talk about. Uh, let's, let's do our picks. Obviously, there's only one Big 12 game. It's a t- title game. Maybe we do this quick. We're, we're getting up there. And, you know, just as I'm having a great season, well, there's always those weeks that can humble you. And I was, I was awful last week in my picks. I think my worst week of the year. Only one I got right was Auburn. And, Grant, you were terrific. You were 4-1. So, did very well. The only one that you missed, I think, was – what did you miss? Because uh, you had – let's see. You had Iowa. You had Auburn, too, I believe. You had Oregon. You, I think you – did you have Tech? You might have had Tech. Eh, maybe I not. think I did have Tech. Is in, yeah. So on the year, you're 29-25. I am 35-19 and 19 overall. And five to pick this week. Easy to nail it down or to narrow it down. Obviously, there's more than five conference championship games, but I just picked the five top ones. And uh, we'll start on Friday. Winner of this game will be in the college football playoff, Oregon and Washington. And just it just tells you how different these teams are now and not playing at Washington. Oregon Grant is favored by nine and a half. And uh, I think they, they played in, in Vegas, I think, Pac-12 title game. Let's see. Yep, they're playing uh, where the Raiders play. So, man, nine and a half points. I uh, As much as I think Oregon's great, that's – that's too many. I, I'll, I'll grab Washington. I, that's exactly where I'm at, too, in this one. Um, not, I, I get it. I totally understand where the line is. Oregon, I mean, a lot of analytical models have them as the best team in the country. And, like, I get it. They kill everybody, and they have the best offense in the country, and their defense is pretty good. Um, Washington hasn't played really well at all since they beat Oregon. I, Washington still has a juice about them. It's hard to go 12-0. and 0. They still complete forward passes at an extraordinarily high level, so I that's that's too many that's too many points. And I know Washington's not playing. I mean, they've definitely regressed a bit. They're not playing their best football, but I mean, I think that it's going to factor a little bit the fact that they've already beaten this team, and they're almost a ten point dog. Like they're going to like they're being that disrespected. That's got to matter a little bit. Uh, at the same time, though, this number, you know, if it goes to ten. Like people jump all over Washington, so like there's a reason why they're keeping it under ten. That's a key number. Uh, still nine and a half. We'll we'll both be on Washington. All right, you already had your OSU rant. Uh, Texas is favored by fourteen and a half over the Cowboys. They're playing, of course, the eleven a.m. game. Another thing about the, the leaving the Big Twelve that's going to be great, not having to worry about playing the eleven a.m. conference title game, which I guess for fans and stuff, it's actually not the end of the world because then the game's over with and you have the whole day left. Uh, but yeah, 14 and a half for Texas. I know you're going to be on Texas here, uh, out of principle, <laughs> as much as I hate to do this, I'm going to be on Oklahoma state, uh, because again, I just think Mike Gundy as much of, he can be kind of a annoying coach and I don't get it. He, he does it. He does pretty well against Texas. Granted, it may not matter because they have no talent, but I'll be on the pokes 
begrudgingly getting the hook, and I'm sure you're on Texas. I think the the that this game will be like 38 to six or something like that. All right, Georgia, Bama, and so this is the situation where okay, here's here's what we got to talk about Auburn. Like Auburn sh- should have put Alabama out of its misery last week. One of the dumbest touchdowns I've ever seen allowed, given the, situ- the situation, the scenario. Uh, watched that live and was like, you you got to be kidding. I, I'm so tired of Alabama being in this dumb spot every year. Jalen Milrow's not very good. <laughs> he, he's kind of the same as he was. Like, he's fine. I, I just, he is no, nowhere near as good as the guys they've had recently. He seems like a know, guy man. who like, would just be, who are like the, uh, the, uh, the Iowa State umbrella defense would just break his brain. Ooh. He seems like one of those guys. I mean, I, yeah, I just I can't get out of my head how poor he looked against Texas. Granted, that was a long time ago now. But I, I watch him. I'm, I'm not that impressed. He's a one read guy. Granted, if you're only going to rush two, <laughs> you can give him all that time and then inexplicably have one basically a one on one scenario. You have nine guys back. Dumbest thing I've ever seen. I, I this game should not this game should not matter. Like granted. Like this, this, this should not be a situation where if Alabama wins, they're in the playoff. But it is, and it sucks. And I don't want to see Bama just ruin because if Bama makes wins and then it's Georgia, Bama, Michigan, and then all of a sudden you got two SEC teams, Michigan's a lock. And now, who, what do you do? Like the Pac 12 winner, and then now, uh, like, what if Florida State wins and they're unbeaten and they don't, they don't make a 14 playoff? Or like, what if Texas is, you know, one loss and conference champion, they're left out? It's ridiculous. I don't care. Georgia's going to win. It doesn't matter. Uh, all right. I like. It's, I, mean, I make- just. I don't. I. I j- like. Honestly, this is another. Like, screw you, Oklahoma State, because I was too busy watching your game and sweating out your game to appreciate that moment. I'm so upset what, wait, about that. Wait, which moment? Oh, oh the, I, was, the, I was too. The, I was too busy. I was, I was too busy watching BYU, Oklahoma State. I had this. I you didn't have the multiple screens on. I did have the multiple okay. screens going on, but I was standing up and I was watching BYU Oklahoma State because I had three hundred dollars on the line and OU's Big Twelve championship hopes on the line. Screw you, Oklahoma State! You're half full freaking stadium with the Big Twelve championship on the line. Well, anyways, Georgia's a six point favorite. It's already moved towards Georgia. Open at five. I I was watching Georgia Georgia Tech and. Georgia Tech was playing with them. Like, it was a game. And I don't, was it just total look-ahead spot for Georgia? Probably a big part of it. That was weird. Man, I... This sucks. I, this number, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like it should be easy Georgia. Georgia, 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 Georgia. Yeah, I'm, I'm not falling for this. I'm going Georgia as well. I just said I don't think Miller is very good. Georgia's got a good defense. If he's not as good as like I say is, then Alabama should not be able to move the ball well enough to be able to to cover six points. This next one, I don't need Michigan. We don't even need to talk about it. Yeah, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan by twenty three. I'm also on Michigan. Like next, like it, I don't even. I wonder is it is it like will that will there be a shutout? Is that minus money? probably here's like here's why i'm so confident in michigan covering 23 i think the the total 
yeah, the over-under in this game, the, the, the total, is 35 and a half. But, but Michigan's got to cover 23? You're telling me that, like, 30, that's, a, that's a pretty high total. Iowa they're ain't going to score. Yeah, they're, How does they're Iowa saying, score? They're, like, they're basically saying the score of the game is going to be 31 to 3. Is the and like I I don't know I mean I I think it'll be like because Iowa's defense is really good and I think Michigan at times is is a little challenged on offense even though they're they're still really good on offense but they don't complete passes at at you know at a high enough level um but yeah I think I think Iowa will probably hold them to a field goal every now and then I mean it's going to be like thirty to nothing it whatever it's it's going to be higher than the number to nothing is what it'll be. I like if Hold if on, Michigan I I, wants I, to shut out Iowa in this game, they will. No, nah, I, I was one hundred and twenty fourth SP plus offense, a hundred and twenty fourth, and number one on on defense. Just hysterically funny. It more like more like twenty eight to three is kind of what this is. Right, twenty seven to three, ish. No, no, that's still pretty low. Like. It's got to. It's got to kind of. It doesn't matter. I, Iowa, they're on that luck rankings chart. I mean, I, I had the I had the over at a thirty to six. I, I, is what the if the total is thirty five and a half, then something like thirty to six. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well done. Uh, which is yeah, eminently plausible. I just I don't see how Iowa scores. Let alone I mean, save for like some sort of fluky mistake by michigan which yeah, is pick, a pick possible. six or a, you know they fumble inside their own 10 yard line and something yeah, like that i mean that's, that's so or you know iowa return cooper DeGene returns a punt for a touchdown yeah. i that's that's the only thing i can think of so anyway i just i i watched that michigan ohio state game so closely and i was the entire time i was so freaking annoyed the entire Guys, game, iowa I was is so mad iowa right now 12 games into the season about to play their 13th game they are worse on offense than Arkansas State was in that opening game. That's a worse offense that they roll out than Arkansas State did in game number one against OU. A game that they won, was it 79 to nothing? What was, what was the final score of that game? 77 maybe. I don't know, 70. Yeah, it, it just, it's an absolute joke. It, it's an absolute joke. And so oh, actually, now it reminds me. I've amended my Iowa takes. Like, I've been bagging on Iowa for years. I don't like Iowa. I, I got to freshen this up. I'm not going to bag on Iowa anymore. It's not Iowa. The teams in their division, you are the you suck. I hate all of you. Uh, Minnesota, Iowa, uh, Illinois, the Big Ten West. You are the problem. You, are, you have allowed Iowa to get away with this. You have not figured out ways to beat this team, this bad, bad offensive team. It's all on you. So I, I, I'm going to take it back. I'm, I'm not going to bag on Iowa anymore because they're actually winning in this horrible, horrible division. Well, these other teams can't even figure out a win because they're so bad. So, you know, it's not on Iowa. It's, it's on everybody else. They suck. I hate them. What a terrible, terrible division. Yeah, no, Big Ten West is, is absolutely one of the – and, you know, I mean, we're about to get out of the division era – in college football, it's lasted about twenty-five years, and I mean, I, I, the, this year's Big Ten West has got to be up there for up there for one of the worst divisions ever in the history of college football. 
I they're it's awful. They're awful. I was the worst ten and two major conference team ever in the history of the sport. They have to be. They you can't be that bad on offense. Like, it makes no sense to be that bad on offense and win ten games. That doesn't make any sense. Iowa, Northwestern. By the way, Northwestern, their coach, I think, what got Big Ten Coach of the Year because they only won one game last year, and they fired Pat Fitzgerald, and he they won seven games this year. So Northwestern, congrats, okay? Like, somehow you won seven games. Wisconsin, super underachieved. Luke Fickle, what's he up to? Holy cow. Terrible first year in a terrible, terrible division. Nebraska, my God. Speaking of Iowa, how many games did Nebraska take to try to get a bowl, a bowl eligibility? Four? They lost five in a row. Five? Five in a row? Oh! Purdue is awful. Illinois is awful. And the Golden Gophers are off. I mean, like, these are just bad football teams. Pretty sure, per SP+, Wisconsin has the best offense in that division. And it's like, it might be in the 50s or 60s. And then you go into like the stats, and you go like the top 10 total defense in the nation and you'll see like three of those teams in the top 10 and it's just because it's a terrible terrible division they played no offenses i think like minnesota is up there or they were before this past week uh illinois is like up in the top 10 top 15 uh, of course iowa is it's just it's all because of the schedule they play <laughs> oh my gosh okay so wisconsin per sp plus is the highest ranked team from that division they're 27th in sp plus they're 89th on defense or I'm sorry, 89th on offense, sixth on defense. Okay, on offense, yeah. Iowa is 31st in SP plus. They're 124th on offense, first on defense. Let's see here. Oh, got to go down very far until we get to the next. <laughs> got a van to team. give you time to get there. Yeah. Third best Big it's Ten West team is oh, Rutgers. They're in the East. Nebraska at 65th in SP plus. They're 121st on offense, 7th on defense. Let's see here. Minnesota is the next, 70th in SP+. 106th on offense. Northwestern, just below them at 71st overall. 105th on offense. Also, is it Illinois and who else in that division? Oh, my gosh. Oh, um, Purdue, 87th on offense. Yeah, Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Iowa. I, I I don't. Purdue has the best offense in the division. Seventy eighth in SP plus, and they went three and nine this year. And to be fair, the the East isn't isn't bad. I mean, the East is awful aside from the top three teams. So I mean, Rutgers is. I guess I mean, Maryland's a Maryland's a good team. Maryland's fine. I mean, Maryland can can test you a little bit so you ask you ask uh, why how iowa can go undefeated in a conference like that that's how they don't play anyway they 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 play teams that struggle to score on air and and even and it goes towards michigan and ohio state as well just i'm not saying like they're obviously very good teams but the stats get padded man like that entire game it was like this is the number one defense versus the number two defense like yeah no kidding no look at michigan's schedule like of course they're look at ohio, ohio state Played Notre Dame, who's fine. What do they want? Like eight and four, nine and three, maybe nine and three. Uh, yeah, it, that's why they're so highly ranked. And watching that game, you know, you mentioned that Ohio State's offense is you know the worst offense they've had since the Trestle era, and they're twenty fifth yeah, sure, yeah. in SP plus offense. It's yeah, 
one spot ahead of your favorite team, Penn State, who is 26th. Which doesn't make any like, – Penn State, their offense is so bad. It's so, so bad. Ohio State's offense is much better than Penn State's offense. Kyle McCord, Hulk, he's, he's, he's not good. He is so subpar. Yeah, uh, they're going to be they're going to be trying to portal someone I would think for next year. Holy cow. And yet and yet there was plenty of signs in that game that Ohio State could take advantage and but no. Like mistakes. Uh Brian Day coaching very conservatively, shocker. It's like, dude, go. Like I think it was either the first or second series it was like fourth and one from like his own like 46 or something. He punted, and it's like, okay, I kind of get it because you're like, ah, I, don't have, I have no respect for this Michigan offense, and my defense is good, which Michigan didn't do anything, but still, like, fourth and one, like, go for it, man. Show that you are not scared of this Michigan defense that's not been challenged all year. Uh, Marvin Harrison ended up with good numbers, but they didn't target him that much. They, I think maybe had, like, maybe six or seven targets in the game. Like, it, go to him more. I get, like, he's so good. I uh, so that, that whole entire game was incredibly frustrating. Uh, the, the defense for Ohio State, one of the, the touchdowns that Michigan scored, I sent you the video. I have no idea what their safety was doing. That ball should have been picked off. J.J. McCarthy, I, it was, I, I'd love to hear an explanation of what the heck that guy was seeing on that play. Yeah, I know. And just, live just watching, it, I think I told you it just—it looked like just like an incredible like dime from J.J. McCarthy. But then when you watch the from the behind, it's like no, that actually should have been a hilarious interception that was just thrown right to the defense. And yet, for some reason, the Ohio State safety or linebacker or whatever, he's watching J.J. McCarthy's eyes, I would imagine. And as J.J. McCarthy is turning, is actually like throwing, like he's seeing him throw the ball, he decides to turn his back to him and just run when literally he should have just stayed there and then caught the pass. Just keep just getting deep right in your zone, him. and he would have thrown it right to you, man. I, he turned his head away. Anyways, I, point being, Michigan got, I, I won't say they got incredibly lucky to win that game, but they had some luck to win that game. Uh, but heck, man, what if Michigan somehow ends up playing like Florida State? That's what I'm, and I'm about to, we're about to get into it. That's their last game here, and I think Louisville's a two and a half point favorite. I'm, I'm taking Florida State in that game. All right, well, I'm on Louisville. I think Louisville's really good. Bouncing back from a Kentucky loss. Uh, and, and honestly, I, I, I hope... Watch I, Florida State. Florida I hope. And, yeah. I, I really, really hope Louisville wins that game because I, I, I can't watch Michigan-Florida State in the, in the playoff. I, it's it's going to be ex- the exact same game Michigan's played all season long. Playing a team that can't Although, move the ball on offense. I, I, like, I just, would it I, be Michigan-Florida State? Yeah, it definitely would be, because Florida State would be undefeated. Unless I guess so unless they, so they, unless so Washington bump wins, up. unless Washington wins, Washington would be ahead of Florida State. I could totally see them bumping up whoever wins that game to three, though. Just what game? The Pac-12. No matter if it's Oregon or Washington. Maybe, maybe. I, I could but see that. Maybe not because they because they love the Big Ten in the playoff rank, right? So like. What a freaking walk that would like they they get to play a backup quarterback, but then again maybe maybe not maybe Florida State maybe uh the you know, their co- maybe maybe they would put together some awesome game plan and it would be just delicious to see a backup quarterback beat Michigan. No, I mean the by by far the best playoff would be Georgia versus Texas in the one versus four game, 
and um, and then Michigan versus whoever wins the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl. That those are by those are by far the best. That would be the best pair of opening round games ever in the playoff. Yeah, it'd be pretty good. All right, so I'll recap. We're both on Washington plus nine and a half against Oregon. You're on Texas laying 14 and a half. I'll take the points with Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game, even though I'm not that confident, but I'm just kind of basing it off of history. We're both on Georgia laying six against Bama in the SEC title. We're both on Michigan laying 23 against Iowa in the Big 10. And we are split on the ACC title game. Louisville, I'm on the Cardinals minus two and a half. You'll take the points. Florida State plus two and a half. Uh, playoff rankings. I saw what Oklahoma say the same. Are they like what twelve or something? Or yeah, they're twelfth. They're um, twelve. Man, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty clear at this point in time. The committee thinks that Penn State, Missouri, and Ole Miss are all better than Oklahoma. I I don't agree with that. I think I think OU has flashed a higher ceiling than any of those teams. I think OU has proven more than any of those teams that they're capable of beating a really good team. Um. It's it is what it is. They have like they they need metrics to look at, and those three teams have much higher strengths of schedule than OU. Even though the teams that make their their schedule strength higher than OU, they've those teams have lost to those teams. They're zero and six yeah. against those teams. Um, yeah, they and, haven't beaten anybody. And in Ole Miss's case, got run off the field both times. So I, that's just that's just how the cookie crumbles, I guess. Penn, Penn State's, the, Penn State's have, the big one. Penn State's the big one. That's they have not proven a single thing this year. That team. Oh they God, no. Penn State has played two good teams. They lost both of them. They lost both the games. That that's it. Period. Penn State's second best win is is OU's third best win, and they're common opponents. And OU beat them much more soundly than Penn State did. Yeah, it's it's annoying. It's it's horrible. The fact that Penn State is odds on to have like a New Year's Six bowl game right now and OU's not is just egregious. I it makes me so mad. I I said before, I I want that to be the bowl. I want OU to play Penn State somehow. It's not going to happen. But that that I want to see that so badly because I think I think Oklahoma would put would put a, a, at least 40 on Penn State just for fun. Uh because Penn State has not seen a a good up a passing offense all year a team that could throw the fort except for maryland but maryland's like not i mean maryland is not good on offense they're they're not they do not have a good offense ou is faced quarterback though yeah he's fine but they're like you're 50th in sp plus on offense that's not a good offense yeah and i would not be afraid of Drew Aller and that that penn state offense going against like a regressing oklahoma defense especially with some time off to prepare like to get healthy like they're not going to do anything to, to trick you <laughs> they don't the only thing that like makes it it would make it better if uh your was still there they got they got rid of him and so uh maybe they're uh open it up more but i think gracious, there man. is you know there's there's a scenario i suppose where smu wins on saturday and they that would probably vault them into the top 25 giving ou another top 25 win and let's say Texas does go to the college football playoff, they're in the top four. I that would make that that would give OU like Penn State only has one top twenty-five win. It's over Iowa. What if I if Iowa loses by a million? Do they drop out? I don't know. I mean, is can you start talking yourself into that? But I don't know. It's it's hard for me to believe. 
that they would just jump OU over a couple of those teams based off of that stuff. It really honestly wouldn't make a lot of sense. It'd be kind of a farce if they did. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It's dumb. It's so it's so stupid. Okay. Well, we've gone two hours here. So can I and I I, I need to vent about by. one more thing. Got to. Got okay. to. I'm right here. Um I just want to mention it just because I, I was in the state of Kansas on, on Saturday, so I saw all the snow. I was in it and everything. Um, Kansas State-Iowa State on Saturday night was one of the most entertaining college football games I've ever seen. It was awesome. It was an incredible game to watch on TV. The snow looked so good under the lights. And in a weird like little twist to the game, like it snowed the entire time. There was like an inch or two of snow on the field that all times and somehow like no one really struggled with their footing at all in the game people just struggled to tackle like bouncing off people and it was just a a really fun game Lee, have you seen the stats from that game i was snapped the ball 35 times in the game what they had six their, their freshman running back had a bunch of explosive plays they had six 60 plus yard touchdowns they did not have a single drive that lasted more than four plays. Hmm. How Wait, awesome what? is that? How awesome is that? You know so what is not awesome? They were going three and out. They were either three yes. and out or they were scoring touchdowns. Yes. They snapped it 35 times. Kansas State snapped it 102 times. It was, and this is why it was also maddening. So I already, I already told you I had money on BYU and that cost me $300 than pissing down their leg. I had... More, I had more money on a parlay that I put on in that game, and it was I took the over in the game because I noticed just like a t- like the public hitting the under on that, and I was like, you know what? I know it's all snowy and everything, but Kansas State's got a really good offense. I think they'll still move the ball, and the number was only like thirty was or it was forty five and a half, and so I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm gonna hit I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. so I do the over, I do Will Howard to score a touchdown, and I do Kansas State to win. All of those things happened. It would have netted me $187. And so I had I hit the over and Will Howard scoring a touchdown happened on the exact same play with nine minutes to go in the third quarter. And it gave Kansas State a touchdown lead. Now at this point in time, right, Iowa State is all like, they're just they've only scored just on just one play after one play. And then all the other times it's been going three and out, like looking kind of like a mess. And so you're like, okay, whereas Kansas State's kind of moved the ball pretty consistently the entire game. So you're like, okay, this, they're going to start pulling away. This thing is over. Nope, Kansas State doesn't score again the rest of the freaking game. And Iowa State still somehow pulls that out. They went 42-35. to 35. I'm sitting there the last 24 minutes of the game. I'm still reeling from BYU screwing that. Almost won $500 gambling college football on Saturday, man. I'm super upset about it. It's a bad beat. That's a bad beat. That's awful. Yeah, that's... Oh, boy. But also, that and was a... That number, like, the, the number, the K-State, like, we were talking about that. That seemed like it was an obvious K-State, take K-State. But I did see that it opened at 12 and, like, immediately went down. So some, some sharp money must have hit Iowa State. And, well, there you go. They won outright. So, yeah, no, I've, I've you know, still reeling from, uh, from those gambling losses on Saturday. But it's hard not to appreciate that. That, that Farmageddon game was... That was a plus college football. That was that was one of the best college football games I've ever seen, given the circumstances. Yeah, for whatever reason, I wasn't that into that game. I was I was watching more of the I was watching Florida Florida State. 
I had a little more action on that. And uh, I, I had the K-State game on the uh, like one of my secondary TVs. And anyways, yeah, the, the snow, though, is always fun. Okay, well, hopefully you can recoup that 500-plus uh, putting it all on Michigan to smoke Iowa this week. <laughs> or Texas to beat up Oklahoma State. We'll see. All right, guys, actually, I have no idea. Next time we're going to be back to talk about college football. Uh, no O. You game uh, maybe like when they get their bowl announcement I guess so next week yeah I uh, yeah we might yeah we might do a reaction show to that you know I I I be honest with you like I I I'm usually a guy who is always who can always kind of find the bright side of like a bowl matchup or some sort of angle uh, I'm gonna tell everyone right now if they end up playing Arizona in the Alamo Bowl that's the least excited I'll I'll be for an OE football game in my lifetime that is a um that's a tr- like. When they played Boise State, everyone's talking about how it's a lose-lose game, and there's been other situations like that in bowl games as well. Um, this is actually one of those. That That's just not not a good matchup for OU at all. The hottest team in the country outside of like the elite teams is Arizona right now. They're probably actually, like per Vegas, I wouldn't be surprised if they're the second-best team in the Pac-12 right now. Going against an, an Alamo Bowl, OU playing in it you know, for the second time in three years against a, a non-name brand team that is, oh, weird, going to be in the Big 12 next year. Bad, bad circumstance for OU in that one. I, I, don't, hey, I, have, I have zero interest in playing that game. None whatsoever. Also, it's just, it's the Alamo Bowl. Like, I went to the last one, and it was really cool because it was a weird situation with Bob Stoops coaching and Caleb Williams, obviously, his last, well, he didn't know at the time, his last game, and I mean, Oregon just mailed it in. How about that? The last couple of games, the couple of bowl games, OU's won. <laughs> Opposing teams have just kind of mailed it in. Uh, like, Oregon had a ton of people, I think, out. And obviously, the, the Florida game in 2020. San Antonio was was fine, but honestly, like, I went there for work. To go there for fun, I don't, I don't know if I'm down to, like, oh, I'm going to go to San Antonio just for fun uh, at this stage of my life. So, no offense to San Antonio. I just they do I, have I don't... a good taco shop there. I don't and like I there's you know Stuart Mandel put out a tweet today where he's like oh you know we're when we start making predictions this time of year it's usually based on intel and he said that he essentially said that Alamo OU versus Arizona is the one that he is the most confident in and I like I I have no idea if you're an Alamo Bowl rep how you don't put USC in that game screw the records I I do not know how you don't do that or how you're not pounding the table to do that 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 will be that will be the most watched bowl game outside of the New Year Six. The only thing I can think of is like, do they care more about the gate at the game or television ratings? Because I could see Arizona. I mean, Arizona fans would probably travel a lot more than USC fans. Obviously, I there is not fifty thousand OU fans will travel to San Antonio if they're playing USC. There is 50, no doubt 000? in my mind. There is no doubt in my mind. Yeah, maybe. I like if they play USC, I'll I'll find a way to get down there. That's at, at really? this point in time, them playing USC is I, I like I think the only way to make that game even remotely interesting. All right, we've had enough. Let's get out of here. We'll be back uh after we figure out the college football playoff and OU's bowl game and all that fun stuff next week. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. We will talk to you next time. For Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. 
You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. 